I'm a reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. Well, we're, a lot of pressure. We're on now. We're recording. Okay. Man. Daniel, sing That's us a cool. song. Huh? Sing us a song. Um, what kind of song do you want to hear? Oh, man. You're supposed to sing uh, the Lost Boys song, uh, Cry Little Sister. Well, there's a couple of different avenues he could have went. He could have went, I still believe, too. He could have just like ripped his shirt off and pulled up his sax and started fucking playing. Or I could have pulled my guitar out. If you if you just set this up, I could have been right off the uh, fucking screen with my guitar and start playing People Are Strange. That would have worked out perfect. Unless you're going to do it oily. Yeah. Don't want to see it. You got to, like, get oily. Oh, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Like, man. It's, yeah. I love that guy. All right. Anytime I see a saxophone, I immediately think of you. Rip your shirt off and oil up, man. Well, all right. So, welcome to Very Unreasonable Things. I'm Billy Bone, joined with Josh by Josh Lynn. The fuck me running. Welcome to Very Unreasonable Things. I'm Billy Bone. Joining me is Josh Lindsay. Howdy. And Daniel Sanders. Now that I've butchered that intro. And we don't edit. So yeah, this yeah. is just you know, it's in there. It's in there. It's it's in there. It's not going anywhere. That's just real talk. Hey, so <laughs> I didn't tell y'all this. Uh, this has nothing to do with the movie, but I'm still gonna tell you, and this is just an added bonus, I guess, for podcast listeners. Um about two weeks ago. As inebriated, and sometimes when I'm inebriated, I'll make purchases. I'll just be like, oh, I need that, and buy it. And so I was on Amazon, and I was looking at records, and I was like, oh, there's Power Slave by Iron Maiden. I need that. Ordered it, came in, went to put it on my shelf, looking at the records. I already had a copy of Power Slave I ordered previously. <laughs> That's hilarious. So... Uh, yeah. You make it sound like you have like thousands of records too. I know, but no, like no. this purchase, yeah, yeah. Me, well, <laughs> it's got it, honestly what forty five. I'd have to count them. But st- you should know you had Power Slave though. Well, you, I should have, but I was inebriated, so no, yeah, it happens. I, well, that's how I ended up with that second Dallas Stars jersey. I was drunk and I bought it. <laughs> Is that what happened with NBA Jam and Turtles? No, those were plain. Those were planned purchases. Those were sober. Yeah. Yes, I, I've always wanted to get an arcade cabinet. Fuck it, I'm doing it. Fine. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm gonna get a BHA. Terminator Two is too expensive. Fucking next. <laughs> next. He's gonna get the whole fucking Jurassic Park fucking game with the booth. He's gonna have to get his fucking bed out of that room. I'll tell you what. If they ever came out with a Die Hard, that would be the one to. Per- that would be the one like. I would have to throw down some money on the Die Hard one. Was does anybody remember that arcade game? Yes, I had it on um, 
And I had the home version on like Saturn or Dreamcast or something, whichever system it was on. I think it was. It Saturn. was just like the arcade one, where you're fighting people, like fist fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. I want to make sure it wasn't like a light gun arcade game game that she was talking about. I am surprised this movie did not get a NES type game. Mm, that's true. Yeah. What is this That movie? is crazy. The Goonies got one, and it was two years earlier. Well, maybe we... It's true. We're talking about Lost Boys, everyone. Um, we didn't announce that yeah. yet. Yeah, so the, the, the movie that Josh is talking about not getting a video game is The Lost Boys. Which is what we're going to be covering today. It is, but that's right. a very good. That's a very good thought as well. But it is crazy they made a fucking game out of everything and, like, you know, Lost Boys, man. You could, you could have done something with it. I mean, for fuck's sake, the Friday Thirteenth game was just you dodging. What were you dodging? Like walking through the camp. I don't like, remember. Yeah, it, it was just ghouls and goblins. You know, you wouldn't. It, you know, until you found a cabin with Jason. Like, you couldn't have done the same goddamn thing with the Frog Brothers until you met David, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. But the Lost Boys, we, yes. You know what else is kind of surprising, I guess, about the Lost Boys? Just considering, like, how they made the shit in the 80s for everything, it didn't get a fucking cartoon either. Yeah. I'm, no, but I... Who was... They made a cartoon out of Rambo and RoboCop, so... Yeah, that's because you can make toys out of those. You can make vampire toys. You can, but at the time, like, you didn't... I don't know. Like, I kind of see that making more sense than NES game. Of course. I mean, you know, when you fucking look at RoboCop and you're like, there's a property that's hot for children. Let's let's fucking get it, you know? Uh, it's so crazy that just you saying that because Beetlejuice, the cartoon was Lydia and Beetlejuice getting into hijinks together. Like they just, you know, Slimer wasn't a thing in Ghostbusters. Yeah, I know. Until the cartoon. And then Slimer becomes their buddy and becomes a, like, almost like a pop culture icon. No shit. Like, he's even in the new uh, Frozen Empire one, which. Look, I haven't seen the movie. I've, I've watched the trailer. So I'll reserve judgment. But how fucking dumb of a name is Frozen Empire for Ghostbusters? Strange name. I, I, I felt that it landed strange as well for a Ghostbusters yeah. movie. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, the numbers really work the best for the Ghost, best, Ghostbusters. I mean, did anybody watch Afterlife? I did. Chapter Life. I like. I, I liked After. Life. I didn't I watch it. Yeah. It's like I haven't seen fucking it. Thing, but I did enjoy that movie. Yeah, like it was a breath of fresh air. I think Daniel. Uh, I'll. I'll say this, Daniel. I think you enjoyed it more than I did. I. I no. Like I haven't even. Spot. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I just want to see it real time. Real time, Bone. Hang on, Daniel. What would you give Afterlife? Afterlife. <laughs> I'd give it a three. I'd give it a three because I would watch it. Like if I was in the mood for Ghostbusters, I would definitely put it in the uh, line, the lineup. You know. So just so everybody knows, based on like if you do an adjustment to Daniel's rating system, yeah. that's basically a four and a half for most people. <laughs> that's 
<laughs> oh no, he was like, we were sitting when we did the Wolfman. He's like, yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. I give it two and a half stars. <laughs> and I was like, well, we're way off because I gave it four. Yeah. I told uh, Daniel he was like the harshest movie critic I know. And then he told me to shut up and threatened to slap me. And I was like, okay, sir. I was wavering around a three, but then I was like, eh, I'll probably never watch it again, even though I would be willing to. And it was an entertaining one of uh, the ones that we've done. Daniel, I, I, I wished, I wished you were more active on Letterboxd. Like, I ride Bones' ass all the time. Like, anytime you watch a movie, like, I try to leave a little review, very small, two lines, but I always try to rate these movies because. You know, when I, I, I'll go on Letterboxd just to see like the podcasts I listen to, what their hosts to give in a movie. And honestly, I find it more effective than like, you know, I've never been a Rotten Tomatoes guy, but IMDb, I'd always go to IMDb, look at the score. I'd rather go to people who I listen to and I kind of know their opinions and I'll check their scores. You know, obviously I follow Bone and I follow people that I know. A lot of them are podcasters though, but dude, you need to start like just. Being like, what is this movie? Well, let me put it in the letterbox. And just give like one sentence. Be like, I, I like Finn Wolfhard's tits in Afterlife, you know, or something. I don't know. Something. Josh doesn't know. He's, he's just. I have yeah. not logged on to that shit since the first time I went and got. Oh, I know. Some movies at once. I know. And it's funny because we talked about it before where it's like, oh, yeah, y'all just want to be get out there so you could be ripping on my reviews. And now you're like, hey, man, you had not given us any new <laughs> new topics lately, no new material. Get back on there. Get get after it for a little while longer. All right. Hang on. Up. Oh, okay. No, I keep, keep talking. I'm just going to talk. Like, I just watched a movie recently. Wait a minute. You want me to keep talking while you're talking? No, yes, I watched the Paddington movies. The Bears? Yes. They are both, both of them, because Isla's finally getting into movies. And, you know, we watched Inside Out, which she'd seen when she was younger, and I'm like, baby, we're going to watch it again. She got excited. She got into it. And, you know, just watching these movies, I want her to be into movies. And I'm like, we're going to watch the Paddington movies, you know. Fantastic movies. Like, just everything I watch. I, Spoiler alert, Paddington 2, four and a half stars. No shit. Fantastic movie. The first Paddington, four stars. They're amazing. They're so cute and funny and full of heart. I love them. Our, uh, great, great family movies. I- y- yes, like some of the best. Our children like, are... I've seen either one of them. I was going to say, our, uh, and Daniel's children are probably past that point. Mm-mm. I think anybody at any age can enjoy these movies. I really do. You wouldn't have said that before you had a child. You would have, if if one of us would have came to you and said we watched Paddington and you didn't have a kid, would have shot us in the face. He would have. <sighs> he would have went and found a gun. I don't know. They're legit funny. They're legit funny. I'll say that. But They're I'm legit. Saying, I'm funny. saying Dad Josh will say that, but you know, before Isla Josh would have been like, oh damn bone, you and Daniel love some bitches. I mean, look, you're going to change if you have a kid. Oh, no, we tried to tell you. We- <laughs> <laughs> you 
we know not be not never. Yeah, exactly. That was pretty much your attitude about it. Nan, nana. It is funny though. I remember Bone came home one day with Ninja Assassin. <laughs> And I'm like, this Oscar winner is here to rant and you get niche assassin. <laughs> that part of Josh still exists. The core properties. I mean, ninja assassin. I, I don't even, that's, that's like bringing fast 10, you know, when you can rent. Sometimes you like to watch ninja that. assassin too. I don't know. Was that in a good movie, though? I didn't actually watch it. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> right. I'm sure it's not as good as The Raid. No, that's... That's a safe bet. You need to watch part two when you get a chance. But it's two and a half hours. It's a much longer movie. Jesus, that's all movies now. And I, I know The Raid 2 is, like, a little older. Every movie now. Two and a half hours. Oh, no. I saw the fucking runtime of Killers of the Flower Moon, you know, because I want to watch That's that. That's three and a half, babe. Yeah. I know. I want to watch that, too, but, like, it's three and a half fucking hours. I wanted, I wanted to watch Society of the Snow, which is, you know, an actual remake of the movie Alive. Not a remake, but a actual retelling of the movie Alive. Me and I'm a little. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's watch this shit. I'm, I've heard great things. It got nominated for an Oscar. I, it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock when we're like let's watch a movie i put on society this no two and a half hours I'm like well fuck you're you're not gonna stay awake for that you know like yeah. what are we doing that's why you gotta watch some old movies like uh me and daniel man wolfman 70 minutes you're in, in and out, out baby that shit was surprising i think that might be the shortest movie we've covered on this podcast period that like, seems like that's the short you get we got to the end of the movie like when we're you know we're watching we're, obviously we're watching on our own but i'm assuming the experience is the same for daniel you get to the end of the movie and it's like oh well yeah we couldn't save larry roll credits <laughs> you know I, let it, I love it it's like oh that's oh man that's done and it's like oh larry and it's over after this man had just beaten his son's skull in with a fucking cane handle yeah, so fucking Wolfman it's was surprisingly uh, pretty dark. Y- yeah, tragic. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lon Chaney doesn't get saved in that movie. He gets killed by his own father. His father has to kill him. Yep. Which Shit. His father in the movie is Claude Rains, who was in The Invisible Man, and he doesn't look old enough to be fucking Lon Chaney Jr.'s dad. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a weird thing. You know, like, doesn't seem like you know how you'll share bone structure with your parents, you know, even if like you favor your one parent more than the other, you're still sharing some bone structure. Like they look like one, two completely different people all together. It was just funny. I mean, I know they were, but you get what I mean. No, yeah. Sometimes they, they can seem related. They do a good job at that. So it was fucking obvious. And we just did a fucking recap on the last episode, me and Josh done. So, and that, those of y'all that already listened to the Wolfman, we're sorry. We're just catching Josh up. He wasn't on the episode with us. We like to recap with him and tell him he should watch the movies that me and Daniel watches, even though he never will because he hates us. That's right. He does. Yeah. He doesn't support our dreams. 
Damn. Yeah. Makes me sad to think about. So the Lost Boys, though, let's uh let's get some of the uh little information out of the way like we normally do, and then we can jump into it. So Lost Boys, July 31st, 1987. Directed by Joel Schumacher, starring Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Jamie Gertz, Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland. It has a runtime of 98 minutes, a budget of eight and a half million, and it made a box office of 32.2 million. All right, so we got that shit out of the way. Now we can talk about the movie. So, Josh. Yes. What's your history with Lost Boys? The movie. Do you like it? God, my history is, I I can't remember the first time I watched it, but it's always been, it's always existed. It feels like in my lifetime. Like, um, I've always known about this movie and I, I was so young when I first watched it, like, that memory's gone that i mean that's just faded but i will say this that i i put this movie on in the background but i don't think i've ever sat down and fully absorbed it and watched it 20 years maybe like just sit down start to finish and i i fully had like this one idea going in and me coming out of it because I know all the scenes. I know everything about the movie, you know? And what I thought I would be coming here to talk about was like completely different from what I felt when I finished it. It, it, it might have been my favorite viewing of this movie, watching it now. All right. Thanks for nothing, Josh. What about you, Daniel? What's your. No, I'm just fucking with you. I saw the look on Josh's face. He was like, what? I'm like, I gave you something. Uh, Daniel, do better than Josh. (laughs) When I watched this movie, we were at the theaters, right? And it was at the Carthage Theater. First time I saw this movie. Okay. And when we're there. Wait a minute. What are you, two? Yeah, I'm two years old. And I remember this like it was yesterday. Okay. So we're in the theater. And whenever it starts to get to the real creepy part, whenever like they're looking around for him and stuff, the lights go black, right? And the lady behind me gets bit. <laughs> and then you don't really want to hear the rest of it. It gets pretty dark. And you probably wouldn't believe me anyway. Everyone calls me crazy. Just trust me that it was a freaky, freaky, interesting first viewing of The Lost Boys. I thought you were I thought you were gonna make fun of me for the uh Dream Warriors recap when me and my dad went. It's like whenever I saw that skylight of the boardwalk, I was out. <laughs> Couldn't handle it. Had to go home. So yeah, well there Daniel just brought it up though. That that well, I guess I should talk about my history with the movie too. And I gave Josh shit for his uh his recap. Tell or his telling of his first experience and all that. And mine's no better. I don't remember when I first saw this movie. I just, I know I've seen it a bunch. Um, I have sat down and watched it though within the last like two years. 
I watch it pretty regularly. So, yeah, it's go. a good movie. And for a real answer on my side, real quick, like it's kind of like Josh said, it's always been there, you know. Yeah. And like, I think that my first introduction to like vampires and being really interested in the whole lore behind them was uh, Interview with the Vampire because mom's a huge Anne Rice fan. And Josh, you know, she had all those yep. books. She loved Anne Rice. Um, so that was my first introduction or whatever. But then like Richard, you know, is like, hey, you need to check out like Lost Boys. That's a good vampire movie. You know, like Richard or Michael, one of them, for sure. Hell, maybe even Josh. I don't know. But somebody's like, hey, that's a good fucking vampire movie. So I'll watch it. And yeah, that's when I got introduced to the Corys, too. The Corys. And I went crazy. I went crazy. I had posters of them all over the wall. Um, No, we're going to get into posters. We are going to get into posters. (laughs) We're going to get into posters. But this this was it. This is what started the Corey craze. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. This is their first movie together. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, like, how I could, you know, weave this in and out, like, of hopefully a, a natural conversation about this movie. But, like, I I actually, you know, because I, I have this movie on iTunes, um, <laughs> because I was so smitten with this movie, uh, I would do stuff around the apartment today. And one of the special features to the movie was the, um, audio commentary, audio commentary with Joe Schumacher. So I just put the phone in my pocket and did my shit around the apartment and just listened to him talk about this movie. Look, I don't know the guy. Obviously he's passed. He seems like the sweetest man the sweetest man and he you know there's some tidbits i can throw in there as we go throughout the movie but i mean i i don't want to finish our conversation without acknowledging like how influential joe schumacher was when it comes to this movie originally this movie was supposed to be like nine-year-olds you know they gave the script to joel schumacher um you know, and Richard Donner is producing it and he directed the Goonies in 85. So when he's handed the script, it's like nine-year-olds and Schumacher's like, this is for kids. And I don't really direct movies for kids. He's like, can we, can we make them teenagers? And, and that's the reason why we have this movie. Cause if this was a movie with Letty from the movie, yeah. you know, and the Frog Brothers were supposed to be nine. And I think they were supposed to, in the original script, they were supposed to be like a little rotund. I don't think we're sitting here talking about this movie. I mean, Joel Schumacher just, you know, he's got a, I wrote down his filmography, man. Like, you know, a couple of years after this, he does Flatliners, you know. Yeah. St. Elmo's Fire, The Client, A Time to Kill. Daniel as Mississippi boys, you know, it was film. That was so funny because it was 30 minutes from Carthage. So that was like big fucking news whenever that movie was. It's like, oh man, did you hear such and such was so, so and so, you know? Yeah. It was big. And he's openly apologized for 
Batman and Robin. He was like, man, the studio was making me do that, like the toy company. Yeah. And he and you know, I just I just don't want to leave this conversation without acknowledging Schumacher. And he just seems like a he seemed like a sweetheart of a man. And very good, giving. Good director to uh, work for. Yeah. <sighs> Y'all ready to get into these notes I got? Bam. It's dude, you're reminding me of the guy from fucking Blues Clues because you're like, let's check out the notepad. <laughs> I've never I've never seen Blues Clues, but I'll go with it. Here's the notes. You didn't watch Blues Clues with uh Bailey? No. No, we watched Nickelodeon shows. We were watching iCarly and Victorious and Big Time Rush and I remember a lot of these shows too. Drink, drink I do. Josh. <laughs> And I get I gave Josh Jake and Josh with her when she was one year old. They showed reruns. We this is what the number one looks like. Because <laughs> that's where we were going with it. Like, let's let this TV teach these little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> the movie uh, Daniel briefly had hit on it earlier, but the movie opens up. We're we're finally talking about Lost Boys, by the way. The movie opens up. We've with, been talking about Lost Boys. You haven't been talking about yeah. Lost Boys. I've been talking about Joel Schumacher, the director. Schumacher. the director. The director. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Well, you got to go a little deeper if you want to mock me. The director. <laughs> well, that's too sexy. <laughs> too sexy. Thor. Thor. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Thor does pertain to this in a big way. Yeah, Thorn, yeah. Oh, Thor. I thought you said Thor. I was about to say, what the fuck's Thor got to do with? Bone. What the fuck does Thor? What? That's what I thought Daniel said. I'm, I didn't hear the end at the end of it. I thought you said Thor. I was like, Daniel's want to talk about Marvel movies? No, that's funny because we did talk about the opening, right? Where I was talking about the skyline, right? And yeah. Also said something about notes. So let me hit you with this real quick since it's been so long. Sure. Right? We, we start off. With a tease of an epic but creepy song once you pay attention to the lyrics. The boardwalk is all fun and games until your face gets grabbed by a stranger and then shoved by your boyfriend. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to Look. talk about this fucking song. That's why I brought that shit up <laughs> first. And I wanted to go ahead and get a little bit of notes out of the way. But. So at some point we're watching this fucking movie with Hayden, right? And uh the song is fucking epic. It really is. But so Courtney's like, hey, listen to the song. It's a really good song. You know, he's like, okay, cool. Well, normally when she's telling him that, it's like, listen to the message of this song. So his ass starts listening to the lyrics and he's like, This is kind of creepy. And she's like, what are you talking about? This song is awesome. And then like, he's like, they pulled up the lyrics and reading the lyrics out is just fucking creepy. So it was just a funny thing. It was a, an opposite reaction. He was like, yeah, the song is good. But I was just saying that the uh, lyrics are uh, pretty, pretty creepy. It's it's so funny because I've read that G. Tom Mac, Gerard McNanny or whatever his name is, um, he was given the script and not shown the movie and said, write a song, you know, when you listen to the lyrics of cry little sister, it does sound like he was given the original script, yeah. which was of nine year olds. 
you know, which I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read this. I haven't read the lyrics. I'm sure they're pretty. Yeah. You know, this movie would have been so fucking different if it was nine year olds. It would have been, it would have been made. Like Josh said, we wouldn't be talking about it. We wouldn't be talking about it. Or it would be, it might've been made, but nobody would have been talking about it. Because it's not the same. Nine-year-olds, or they really weren't nine. They were preteen, you know, adolescent children, you know, in Goonies. Yeah. But but still, they're going on a, a treasure hunt. Yeah, they're going on an adventure. And funny, and it's an adventure, you know. But when it's like you're talking about vampires, which usually are tied to sexual nature, you know what I'm saying? So you would have to bump that up to at least teenagers. And then now teenagers will like it. And that is what happens. The teenagers, it was a movie about teenage vampires. They wanted to go check it out. It was all, you know, dark and full of leather and punk rock this, styles. I mean, I love this movie, but this movie does not work without David and Michael. And if you're a guy, you're wanting to be David. And if you're a chick, you're wanting to fuck Michael. That's just legit. I mean, that is what it is. That's what drives this movie. That's what this movie is about. Like, let's make vampires cool and hip and sexy and slick. And you you make it about nine-year-olds, man. You've you got the monster squad, which some people, which has its following. It has a pretty substantial following. From what I've never seen it myself, actually, but. But that's what this movie turns into. Um, yeah. I, well, I'll say this too. If these were nine year olds, these mullets in this movie don't work. Like, really? David's got like the best looking mullet ever. No, 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 no. It's, uh, oh. it's Alex Winters. Oh, I, I see. I say something. You're like, no, 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 no. No, because I have it in my notes. Alex He's Winters fucking shit. has two sets of hair going on. He has he has curls up top and straight hair down below to finish off the mullet. I've never seen anything like it. But we're first introduced to these guys, right? And my thought was, and Bone, I want you to help me with this, babe. Because my thought was, these guys looks like they're about to drop a fire-ass glam metal album. No, 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 no. no I don't know. I'm just fucking doing it, Josh. And and I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Okay, Daniel Bone, help me out with this. Okay, glam metal. No, but it's not glam metal. I think they're going to be more like the cult, and less like Poison. You know, like they got edge to them. Well, yeah. No, well, they're not wearing fucking eyeliner and mascara. Yeah. Well, yeah, but okay. Alex Winter is the bass, right? Alex Winter is on the bass. Blondie's the drummer. The brunette is the lead guitar, and Kiefer's the singer right that's it yeah i don't know that's I it he needs a guitar too i think it needs to be the rhythm and the singer no wait no that's right that's not how it was built back then that's not how those bands were built you're right he'd have to be by himself just yeah like yeah but I, I and he could do it that. oh yeah he sure could but um money bone i had said something about it i think that you were off or whatever but i did want to bring that up that it was just so funny watching this thing whenever they uh, first appear and they're on the carousel. And he walks up and he just grabs this chick's face. 
You know, so her boyfriend comes up and he's like, hell no, not my woman. But if you're watching, he shoves her face. I hate puts his hand on her face and shoves her out of the way to get to them to then just grab his face. Like, oh, you'll, I know. I'll grab your face. It's so funny, man. <laughs> Many, just all grabbing faces. How many fights? The security guard grabs face. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. It's like how many fights or how much trouble is Dave and his gang causing that they've been banned from the boardwalk? <sighs> a lot, a lot. And then you would think, you know, maybe if you're like a a group of vampires, you wouldn't be drawing so much attention to yourself like that. You would, think. but people are gonna but, realize you never got old. You keep coming <clears throat> to the boardwalk because you've made here's yourself the, visible. Do y'all know how old the Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland and like the the Lost Boys were when they made this? No. They were 18. No, 18. Everybody was 18. So like, let's just say David was 18. Of course he'd be acting like this. You know? Let's just go to the boardwalk and smoke cigarettes and Start fights. Yeah, that's what uh, Courtney refers to them as. They're baby vampires. That's what she says, because that's what it is. It's like they're, you know. A little. It, I don't know how fucking old. They might be a thousand years old. I doubt. But they stopped growing at 18, you know, yeah. Yes, exactly. But they still perpetually act like that child, you know, like cause mm-hmm. they know what the fuck they want, you know. It is funny, though, because a, a vampire at the very beginning of your movie getting bullied by an overweight security guard. Yeah. It's bold. It's bold. It is. And it's funny because he's like, I told you guys not to stay around, man. That motherfucker's lucky they didn't get him earlier. I know, right? He's he's dodged that bullet five times. They're like, okay, tonight's the night. Yeah. We're we're getting this ass. It was only a matter of time, I guess. Well, the, yeah. yeah, And when they go, when they go at him, Though, you know, like they're flying because he looks up and sees them and he starts running towards his car and he gets to the car and he does that thing, you know, that cliche where he's trying to open a door, but he can't get it open. And then they grab him. Is is that grip on that door? Yeah, they grab him and it fucking rips the door off the hinges when they pull him away. It's like, I love it. You can open the door, but now all of a sudden your grip is so strong that that door just rips completely the fuck off. Just visually, that's so perfect, though. And, you know, like. Schumacher was saying in the commentary, uh, commentary, how like, you know, this was a low budget movie. Like this was, they didn't give these, this production team any money. He was like, we had to think of creative ways. And they use this a couple of times to where it's just a camera, you know, like flying through the air and. No, but like you said, you know, this is low budget movie so like i had to think of creative ways to do this shit and you know just having a camera float through the air and having an actor react to that it's so effective it's like the jaws you know less is more you know but yeah i it's such a good scene and him ripping the door off you know it was just visually like oh yeah it's cool it is it's just, it's, it's not practical, but it's a movie. So, you know, but it seems like it ripped his arm out of socket or something. I don't know. Or he just let go of the fucking door. 
Well, I could see. Well, hold on now. Let's not. Yeah, I. I mean, I could see someone holding on until their shit gets ripped off through fear. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I would think, yeah, either a hand, the hand rip or the fingers rip off or the, uh, which that's like you said, low budget, can't do all that, but at least the door handle breaking off and, and staying in his hand. But that's still not as big as no. Is, yeah. Is eight, is eight yeah. million dollars low budget in 1987? Uh, well, the cinematographer is, um, Scorsese guy. Like they, Eight and a half million. Um, it's not low budget, but like when you hear Schumacher talk, it's like, you know, um, the purse strings, you know, it was a little tight, you know? Yeah, because they paid Corey Feldman $7 million. <laughs> but when you think about it, no shit. Like Corey Feldman, out of this entire cast, who's gone on to do numerous things, Corey Feldman was kind of the get. He had done yeah. Gremlins. I mean, we love Friday 13th Part 4. Mm-hmm. And then he had done like the Goonies. Jason Patrick, second movie. Kiefer Sutherland, first movie. He'd done Stand By Me the year before. But when they were filming this, like Stand By Me hadn't come out yet, you know? Like, you know, Diane Weist, I guess that's that's a big get. But, Yeah. One, so this doesn't have anything to do with that, but I, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about it. One thing I did like, like especially with David's character, when you're looking at him, David's character up until the point when he dies at the end of the movie looks like he's kind of perpetually tired. Yeah. Like his eyes are dark underneath. You know, he just, he looks like somebody that's, you know, partying all the time and not getting them well there, there, there's a goth and an uh what you know a goth feel to these vampires emo now you know because if you look at all of them like they're they're all just kind of slight dark circles around their eyes you know yeah um but you get the uh well the family's coming into town because we saw the opening shot that the opening shot is like this is setting up like what the movie is, it's about vampires, you know, there's something happening in Santa Carla. And then we get um Sam, Michael, and Lucy. I'm trying to use the character names and not the actor names. Lucy being the mom, Sam being the Corey Haim character, and then Michael, which you'll hear about another two hundred times in this movie, yeah. is Jason Patrick. And they come into Santa Carla and you got people are strange playing. And it's it's not the Doors version, is it? It's oh, uh, it's Echo and the Buddy Man. That's what I thought. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So you got People Are Strange, which is a good song. It's one of the better Doors songs, to me, anyways. Yeah, I like it. Apparent, apparently, this cover gets shit on a lot, and I don't get it. Yeah, hell no. Schumacher had said this in the commentary uh, that. He had picked the doors to sort of represent the Lost Boys because of Jim Morrison's lyrics and how they deal with death and all this. And yeah, Schumacher just reached out to Echo and the Bunnymen, who was getting their record produced by the organist of the doors, Ray Bisinger or something. So that's how that song came to be. 
this FYI. Anyway, moving on. It's funny because I like the song for the scene that Bone was about to start talking about. Like, that shit perfect. Especially cutting to these real people. Well, you see, before you start getting like all the uh, different like shots of like Santa Carla, you also, you see the billboard like Welcome to Santa Carla. And as they drive by it, they look back and you see spray painted on the billboard murder capital of the world or wherever it is. And then, yeah, you get all these different shots. But like right from the jump with the opening scene with uh, them taking the security guard and then seeing murder capital of the world, like, you know, like there's something to miss in fucking Santa Carla and like, it's noticeable. It's not because one thing that like, you know, these sometimes you see like in a horror movie, depending on how it's made is like, nobody's, nobody seems to acknowledge like the threat until you're like four or five movies deep, whatever. Then it's like, Oh Yeah. Like Nightmare on Elm Street, even in Nightmare on Elm Street, people just, you know, even though there was evidence of Freddy, they just didn't believe it, right? Here, people are like, there's something going on in Santa Carla because people keep coming up fucking missing. Yeah. That's what I was going to bring up, too, whenever you were talking about, you know, flash to the different types of people, uh, was you you saw your first scene of someone fucking putting missing um, paper up and seeing how many there were, you know? And it's funny because whenever... I'm watching it. It's hilarious because these people are, it's like people are strange and most of them just have crazy haircuts, you know, like that's pretty much it. There was one person French kissing a hamster or some shit. And then there was one guy that looked like David Cross in a hood, you know, but that was pretty. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. people, you know. But, I, but it, it led you to believe and, you know, this, this is Santa Carla, right? Santa Carla, but it's really Santa yeah. Cruz. Santa Cruz, California. And, you know, these are real people that they're filming. I mean, that's obvious. But what it does lead you to believe is, like, all these people, even if they have a weird haircut, like, they seem a little bit on the outside of society. You know, a lot of these people to where it could be the murder capital of the world. and nobody cares like yeah um but yeah it's 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 a fantastic way to open up your movie though like your characters are getting introduced to this world as you are yeah and you're seeing this shit and then we go and get introduced to i don't know maybe the best character in the movie Grandpa, yep, playing yep. fucking dead. Yep. yep, like why was he playing dead? Because all he does is sit at that fucking house. He was like, "I'm gonna do something funny. I want to be funny. I'm gonna fuck with him." He's. I will. I will. I will. Uh, elaborate on this further when we get into it. But my head cannon, Grandpa, used to be a vampire hunter. Oh yeah, probably so. Could be, could be. I, I, will, see, I could see that. I, I will. I will say my thoughts on that when we get to it. I think. Uh, what's her name? Lucy, the mom. Yeah, yeah, Lucy. Well, I think star. That's the only two hers in the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> that's it. That's true. I think Lucy's mom died by a vampire. That's just my head cannon. But we'll. 
Yeah. Well, grandpa's got a set of rules. Uh, stay out of the one room. Don't touch the second shelf in the fridge because that's where he keeps his root beers. Uh, nobody drives his and car. And double stuffed Oreos. Yeah, double stuffed Oreos. Um, nobody drives his car but him. And on Wednesdays, the TV guide comes in and you might see the corner of the sticker folded up and you'll be tempted to pull it off, but don't because it'll rip the cover. Why are you shaking your head? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not shaking my head. No, yes, you I'm are. agreeing. Cause I love his dialogue here. It reminds me of, it reminds me of, uh, Costanza. All right. So look, we are, we're a visual podcast now. And when you do this, that's not agreeing. That's saying, no, I disagree. This, Why are we? Look, 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 look. This, this is agree. Okay. Well, fine. Since you're going to put me on blast like that, being a visual podcast makes no fucking sense. So maybe X that out. But maybe uh, you should not, wait not. and not be so uh, insecure. I was shaking my head like, yes, that is perfect how he's taking the the corners of the TV guide because I know exactly what he's talking about. And he's like, you're going to rip it because Corey Haim is upset because they don't have a TV, but they have TV guide. Yeah. I did notice that was a pretty funny thing, though, where it was like, uh, and Josh, you're agreeing, of course. We got a little bumpy there for whatever the fuck reason. But um, if I was sitting next to Josh, I'd punch him in the face. But anyway, (laughs) it is funny because like fucking, you know, hold up. Let me go over these rules right now. And the way that he started it was we got rules up in here. Yeah. But but it is funny. Um, But I did notice that where, you know. Sam is like, there's no MTV, there's no TV. And he was like, and, and Michael's like, we're broke. We have no money. Like, we're not going to have those things. It's just funny. He's like, dude, chill the fuck out, you know? I, d- I do want brotherly... to... No, but... oh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Daniel. No, you're good. All I was just going to say was, is I also, I was just going to lead for the next piece of conversation. Their brotherly, like, um, banter. Like whenever they were unpacking and shit like that, I love that shit. It felt real. It felt like a big brother and a young brother just like fucking off while they were unpacking, you know? Because he's chasing them for some fucking random ass reason, you know? Yeah. And they, you know, that's when the rules conversation happens. Because it's like, don't run in the house or whatever. And then the grandpa lays those down. But I like their uh, banter. I literally just thought about this. Um, I, I don't know why I didn't think about it before, but when they, when they first get there, they stop at the boardwalk, right? You know, uh, Michael's taking his bike off the trailer and all that shit. And he asks a guy, he's like, is there any jobs? And the guy tells him, no, nothing that's legal. Yeah. And then his mom goes and finds a job right a fucking way. Yeah, that night. Yeah. It's pretty funny with a sign that's like sitting. Oh, and that's the other thing that's funny. We're talking about nothing that's legal. Everybody keeps fucking dying. There's got to be positions open. There's got to be jobs somewhere. You know, like every fucking window should have help wanted, you know? I think there's a deleted scene to where he's like a, he's a garbage man. And that's how he affords the leather jacket. Oh, is it? Yeah. Cause that's right. Cause he, I was going to say something about that too. When he said that uh, they were broke and then he goes and buys a fucking jacket. 
He's about to get his ear pierced too. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how much that costs, but well, apparently it's enough to be a ripoff. See, this is fun. <laughs> the first time they go to town, he sees or no, I, no, it was that uh, he buys the jacket at night. night. Yeah, no, it was at night that he bought the jacket. So it was the first night that they were there. They went out, right? Yeah, and that's whenever he sees Star for the first time. Okay, that's the sex, the sexy saxophone night, and all of that. But it's funny because after that night is whenever he goes and buys a goddamn leather jacket. But it's funny because he sees her, sees the group that she's with, and he's fucking immediately, I got to get a leather jacket on. And then <laughs> I got to get my ear pierced. And it's funny because um, oh, man. Well, while you're thinking of that. I, well, I wish that I would have found this at the at that point but oh. it was just a comment about him fucking going full blast into what this girl may like you know and going yeah but go ahead we've all been to concerts right yeah we've been to a few when's the last time you've been to a concert where the entire fucking crowd was just dancing with the song because like with this sax player up there you know fucking ripping out the solo and singing i still believe or whatever it is like everybody in the crowd except for Star and Michael are dancing. Like they're really into this shit. Yeah, they love <clears> this shit. Which is honestly not even the type of music that you would get a young crowd of eighteen year olds to be dancing to. Yeah. Even in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, but it is this you know, the the sax player was Tina Turner's sax player. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. And, you know, I, throughout my 20s and early 30s, you know, just being single, like, I can't tell you how many times, like, you'd be at a, or for me, I can't tell you how many times that, like, you would, you would be out and about. Let's just say it's a concert with a shirtless guy playing a sax. You know, mm-hmm. that's happened. That and you would see, yeah, I know, right? Just out it, like random places, and I'm like, whoa, it's a freaking shirtless sax player here. <sighs> East Mountain Down was like the first place, the first time I've heard that acknowledged as a joke. It was hilarious season two and but so obviously jason patrick's a handsome dude but i can't tell you like how many times like you'd be like oh there's a hot chick i'm going to acknowledge her with my eyes hope she makes eye contact not do anything if she does (laughs) at all but you know whether she makes eye contact or not, I will be like honed in on her for three hours. And like Michael's living the dream because not only does like he is eye fucking this girl as soon as she comes on the scene, right? Yeah. And because it's Jason Patrick, she does acknowledge him and we'll go from there. But like, oh my God, like, What's the chances, though? Jason Patrick's a guy in Scream, uh, not Scream Two, uh, Speed Two, right? Yeah, he replaced Keanu. Like, yeah, I, I, I thought that was him. I just couldn't remember. I mean, I knew you were a big Speed Two fan, so 
you know, Jason Patrick, man, it's like you watch this movie and you're like, how did he not become a bigger star though? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck happened? Like it's all there in this movie. Yeah. You would think because he is, uh, he did have the acting chops and he had the looks to do something, but shit, man, sometimes that shit ain't for people. But sometimes they won't accept the roles that could land them that fucking skyrocket up, you know? Schumacher said in the commentary, he had to convince Patrick to take this role. Patrick's had one movie credit to his name before this. Hmm. Now, he is the son of Jason Miller. Uh, Jason Miller, he's a screenwriter and an actor. He Most people know him from uh, The Exorcist. He was Max Van Sydow's, you know, he ends up sacrificing himself at the end. Like, he's the son of him. So, I mean, there's a little bit of nepotism throughout this movie. Kiefer Sutherland. But, like, like, to be 18 and to have, like, the, uh, just the balls to be, like, I've got one movie under my belt and I'm having Schumacher trying to convince me to do this movie. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. That, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even say that. Like you're getting offered a movie role, a starring movie role. And you're like, yeah. oh, and, and like you said, you're not a known quantity. Why are you saying no? Now I get it. If it was like somebody like you bowl, they'd come up to you. and was like, I want you to be in my movie. I'd be like, fuck no. I've seen this shit you make. I mean, I agree with you, Bone. At the same time, if you bull came up to me right now, send me a text message. How the fuck do you get my number? Be in my next movie. Yeah, I <laughs> let's cook up some bullshit. <laughs> Josh is gonna be in the next video game remake. Jesus, I wish. Yeah, so. We while uh, Michael's off chasing Star, and I fucking like Josh said, and they do, and they, they both do that thing where they kind of look at each other, and mm. and they just miss each other's glances when they do it. Like one of them will look, the other one will look away because they know they're about to be seen, and then so forth and so on. But uh, Sam, you know, Michael's like, hey, don't you got somewhere to be, something to do? You know, I'm trying to chase this girl. I don't need you dragging me down. And it's funny because he was holding on to him. And because he was like, man, you could get into something else, right? Yeah. Because I took note of that. And not to cut you off, but. Oh, you're good. Um, but it's crazy because I thought about the same thing. It's like, damn, it's funny how he's holding on to him. But then I thought about it. New town. Don't know shit about shit. They just saw this sign. I said murder capital of the world. Yeah, no friends. Kind of crazy. Don't know anybody. I actually like that touch of him holding on to him because it's his big brother, you know? But it is funny how he's like, hey, man, like, let go of my fucking arm, dude. Get lost. this chick. Well, Sam ends up in a comic book store. Yeah. With, uh, and we're all nerds here. and We've all collected comics. You don't just roll up into a comic book store and all these old issues aren't bagged and boarded. Yeah, I know, right? And it is hilarious, too, because they talk, he's like, you know, talking about, do you know even no comics? And he's like, I'm in here looking for a, 
or he said, what did they fucking said something? It was like a bat. It was a Batman. Looking for a Batman twelve or some shit. What was it? He's like, I'm always on the lookout for the other three. He goes, he's no, he says that's a very serious book or something like that. And he goes, yeah, there's only five in existence. He goes, and Sam corrects me, goes four, but I'm always on the lookout for the other three. That's fucking funny. I didn't even catch that. I, I just want to circle. Go ahead. Back to the grossest line that I've heard in a movie in a while. Well, before you do that, let me say this about that because then we can just move on from it. Um, it, He insinuates that he has a Batman number whatever, right? And it's super rare because he's like, I'm going to look out for the other three. Your family's broke. Sell your fucking comic, man. Help your mom out. Yeah, seriously, right? On top of it, he's like, I'm just looking around and you're looking for a Batman number fucking 12 in this pile of shit that's not boarded <laughs> or in plastic bags and you're just fucking did you see how he treated the other yeah. comic that he had that's what i was gonna say he just picks him up and fucking flops him down and shit and just folds it in the middle makes yeah being a fucking uh you know having my own comics which i was actually looking at the other day <laughs> um yeah that just it, it made me cringe I'm like no you're gonna crease it <laughs> you're gonna fuck oh. up the spine he gave zero fucks about that. Like, even if he sold that Batman, whatever. I mean, can you trust him taking care of it? Mm. I mean, it's a good point, honestly. But Corey Haim, he <laughs> when when him and Michael do split up, and uh, Sam's giving Michael shit. He's like, uh, Michael, I'm at the mercy of your sex glands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I- Gross as fuck, man. Like, I'm at the mercy of your sex glands. Yeah. Holy. It's like, oh. yeah, Sam, that's the reason why you can't come with Michael, because you say shit like that. Well, that and the way he fucking dresses. He even gets called out on it by the Frog Brothers. He's like, "We uh, look at it, he's like, we're checking out your civilian uh, clothing." Max, wardrobe. Max dresses like a homeless person with money. Just <laughs> he has a, he has an ill fitting suit. Yes, it's like you can get and, tailored. Everything Corey Haim is wearing is ill fitted. Well, he looks like a fucking uh, trapper keeper. That's what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the old Trapper Keepers that were all colorful and shit? And like, that was the thing to have back in the 80s. You couldn't come to school without a fucking Trapper Keeper. No. God, I, it's funny though, because in this part, I do enjoy how it, uh, they all go out to kind of check out the place at night and then they split and each person meets their own people. That's a great way to do it in one fucking shot that makes sense that you're not having to bounce around or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, you do it all at once. They're yeah. all at the same big event in town and all of that. And I was going to say, one of the things I like about whenever she walks into the fucking video store, you had brought up Max, made me think of it, is that she's in there. And then the, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and his group, which we've already seen from the first clip or the first scene was no good. You know, they're troublemakers. They show up and Thorne starts to the dog yeah. starts to fucking growl at him and then he says i told you not to come back in here you know and it's like oh man you know he's put his foot down at these bad kids so keep an eye on him he might get got by them yeah 
Yeah, they kind of set Max up at the beginning of the movie to be just a, a shop owner that's having issues with... Um, yeah, that might be a possible victim. Yeah, exactly. So, but 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 I did love the fact that Thorn growled yeah. at, the, uh, at and we for- the gang. We forgot too before he leaves the con- after he gets through destroying all the comics in this fucking comic shop, the Frog Brothers being you know genuine nice guys and just you know looking out for the safety of people in their town gives him a free comic. Yeah, vampires everywhere. And he's like, I don't like horror comics. And he's like, you're fucking complaining about something you were given for free. After you come in here and creased up these comics, fuck you, man. Take this comic. But yeah. he's like, I don't like I don't like horror comics. They're like, think of it more as a survival guide. Yep. Because like the frog. Well, I was going to say the Frog Brothers know about the vampires, or they think they know about the vampires. Um, you'll find out later on that Grandpa knew about the vampires. Like Josh said, he thinks that Grandpa could have been a vampire hunter. So apparently, vampires are a known quantity in Santa Carla. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone knows that vampires are a thing, you know? And it is funny. Cause like just that little bit of back and forth about comics and it's like, okay, this kid might be kind of cool. Like you said, they did him the favor of giving him a, a warning of vampires. So like you said, it's pretty fucking common knowledge that there's vampires everywhere. And apparently it's not even that much of a secret because the first fucking chance they get to fucking make another vampire or do whatever they're going to do, they take immediately. Like yeah. they take that chance so fast. Josh is in yeah. thought. No, I was, I was, uh, there, there's like this sexual tension between David and Michael. Or at least from David's end to Michael. Like, you know, he takes a liking to him pretty quickly, you know. But it it is funny, like, uh, talking about, like. A little differently, though, than just more of like a sexual thing. Because the way that I look at it was, was. Because obviously he starts chasing after Star and then he's they're going to go get something to eat whatever. And. The rest of them show up and it's like, hold on, that's my bitch. You coming with me. So he, or I'm, no, I'm fucked up on that. But he sees her go with them the first time, right? And he can see that he's looking at her and that she was looking at him. He knows what's happened. Because if you remember, he was supposed to be Star's first kill or whatever. First kill to make her whole. You know, and so I think that it might have been a situation like that where it was a little bit of a dance at first for that. But then with them being strong and being like, fuck, you don't give a fuck. Then now he could possibly be a, an ally, you know? So like you said, he could take a liking to him. Yeah, because he was, he didn't put up with the bullshit, which I don't know. If he was supposed to be Star's first kill that night, then why? And it's a little tiny problem with the script then why did david give him the blood to begin with you know i i can answer that took a liking liking to him then was like i want to take pull him into the pole well i think and i mean this this movie came out in 1987 so it's not like you know we're gonna avoid spoilers i know we try to like talk about the movie in sequence but if you've seen the movie you know that you know who the head vampire is 
and he yeah. he gives his monologue where he says, "Yeah, I knew if I could uh, get David and uh, not David, I mean Michael and Sam into the family, I could uh, convince you to come along." And so I think when they originally intended for Michael to be Star's first kill, that was before Max had come up with his plan of bringing Lucy into the family along with her two sons. And so it kind of got changed. Yeah. And maybe it makes more sense in the original script when they were nine or something, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, because they purposely leave Max's character sort of in the dark in this, you know? Yeah. And one thing we talked about while you were uh, taking a piss, just to fill you in, um, was that, um, Daniel brought the point that they they kind of set Max up as a potential victim at the beginning because he kicks him out of the uh, video store. He's like, I told you not to come back here anymore. Yeah, and I was bringing up how I liked the Thorn <clears throat> growled at the growled at the uh, the gang. You know what I mean? Which I don't I don't know. Like, there's a couple of these Max scenes that they throw in that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Story-wise, because Thorne shouldn't be growling at him, right? I don't agree. That's what that's what I was saying. I like that he was growling at him because that dog is going to be way more loyal. Like Hellhound is going to be way more loyal to him than these fucking little asshole teenager immortals, right? So he's like, I told you not to come back in here. So that's why the dog is growling because he's fucking pissed because he's told him not to come back in or whatever. They're disobeying an order. That's why the dog, you know, growls at him. That's how I looked at it. And I was like, I really like that. I really like that aspect. But then you have that scene of Max when he gets home. You know, and the oh, the yes, gangs don't make any fucking sense. Yeah, that is to throw you off. Yeah, that is to throw you off the scent because then immediately the motherfucker's not dead. So it is like, well, hold on. Now. If you remember, you're like, yeah. hold on now. What the fuck? Didn't they come to his house like they were going to kill him? Did you notice what flew at his feet? It was a. I mean, it's a subtle vibe. Right? It's a kite of a bat. Yeah. 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 The uh, couple that gets killed. This is after a star, I think, goes off with David and the gang. The couple gets killed, though. Are they the people that stole the comic from the comic book store? They are. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Also, the people they got into it with at the very beginning of the movie. Well, they got what they deserved. Stealing comics. Sons of bitches. I don't know why they would put out just comics on the sidewalk. Howard the Duck. That was the comic she had. She was reading? Yeah, Howard the Duck. I thought that she had some other comic in her hand. No, I'm pretty sure it was Howard the Duck. Whenever she got killed? Yeah. Whenever he was trying to make out with her? Yeah. Okay, I thought, I guess I wasn't. She was laughing, too. I thought it was something else. Yeah. And she had a copy of Vampires Everywhere, and she was just dying. I knew it wasn't that. But no, I'm pretty sure it was Howard the uh, Duck. Counter. The Frog Brothers only give that out to people they deem worthy. Yeah. It's like, Vampires everywhere. It seems like uh, deem worthy, but it seems like the Frog Brothers and and uh, Sam have, a, at the start, like an adversarial kind of relationship 
Yeah. Oh, they definitely do. Because he is the fish out of water. Yeah. You know. I like uh I like when Sam and Grandpa get in the car, you know, grandpa's like, Hey, you want to go to town? He's like, Yeah, and he get in his nice ass car. Yeah. And he he's like, You gotta let it warm up. He cranks it up, he's like, Yeah, let it baby warm up. Warms it up, and he's like, All right, that's it. And he's like, I thought we were going to town. He's like, That's as close to town as I like to get. And that's what that's what builds even more on grandpa is the fact that he's a funny character. Um he just adds to the just family dynamic and he's just, just doing his own thing, you know, just letting them do whatever. And he's just doing his own thing. And I like that character a lot and they just build more and more on it. How does and, he, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying in the end it pays off. Cause then you get even more awesome shit from him. You know, how does he, if he doesn't go to town, how does he get his double stuff Oreos? Yeah, no. And how does he, uh, go talk to the widow Johnson? Well, I took it as he just didn't take that car into town. That's how could, I took it. Could be that. Maybe. And the Widow Johnson may be going away from town. Yeah, it doesn't say she could be in a rural area also. And she does all the shopping because he's scared of town so bad. So yeah. Trade stuffed animals. I'm just right. going to correct you. Grandpa ain't scared of shit. Yeah, I'm that right. Yeah, well, if, and I just thought of this, if grandpa knew about the vampires in Santa Carla, why didn't he fucking tell his family? I know, like, yeah, that's there. You were talking about holes in the story. That's definite, you know, because she meets up, like, his daughter met somebody in town. She got a job immediately, and now she's talking about, you know, uh, going on a date with him, like, within... Mm -hmm. First few fucking days. And yeah, that's fine and dandy. But then whenever she brings him over to your fucking house, you're eyeballing him like he's might be a threat. Cause when he's closing that door, he no, he knows. That's that's what I'm talking about. At that when when Max gets invited in by Michael, there's a shot of grandpa looking at him and he closes the door. Grandpa knows at that moment he's a vampire. Now, yeah. why doesn't grandpa tell him? Because that would defeat the purpose of the Lost Boys story, obviously. True that. And the movie ends with one of the greatest fucking end lines. But yeah. yeah. Should Grandpa tell his maybe only daughter that you might be moving to Vampire Capital? He should. I'm glad he don't because it works even better that he doesn't. Because later on. Because we have a movie. Otherwise we wouldn't. He, Later on, and again, like, uh, uh, after he meets Max, ah, uh, we should, we should do a, a watch along with Paddington too. So y'all could see how adorable it is. It is funny though, cause I have to bring it up cause we're kind of talking about it. After grandpa meets Max and grandpa knows he's a vampire, he closes the door. He does not come out for family dinner. Uh, what's he building? He's building he a fence with yeah. stakes. Yeah. He knows. Well, and this is one of those, because there was a, being, I think it was me and Daniel were talking about a movie. Hell, it might've been the Wolfman. No, it was the Wolfman when they, uh, they bring up an item 
and it never comes into play later. But here you see Grandpa doing, you know, making the stakes or whatever, or the giant stakes for his fence, and they actually come into play later. So it was a good, the whole Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Yeah. It actually paid off in this movie. It didn't pay off in the Wolfman, Josh. There was this charm that was given to Larry Talbot by a gypsy, and she's like, wear this over your heart. It'll protect you. And he immediately fucking gives it away. I kind of like that, though. Yeah. Because you remember it. Because you remember that he didn't have it, and Larry Talbot does, right? He does, but... So it does come into play. Well, no, it doesn't, because he gives it to the girl and says, this will protect you. Yeah, and then he tries to kill her. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> she's clutching this thing that could have protected them while she's like, Larry, why? The roll credits. It's like the, the, that comes back into play. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that she. I haven't seen the movie, but that sounds she's legit. She watches this it. type of fucking stance, you know? But anyway. Yeah, I need to watch that movie now. Yeah, uh, out of the three that we had covered, that was my favorite. Yeah. But we um, we get the Frog Brothers filling Sam in on vampires. We get we get fucking Michael, you know, chasing after Star again. And they're they're about to go away on together. And, you know, Michael's like, Star. I like the way he says it. Star, where are you going? And then she ends up getting on the bike with david and he's like you know where this place is and i guess because you know michael's been there all of two days he exactly knows where it's at i have to assume he would have gave him that answer like i just moved here yesterday yeah and he's like i can't beat your bike and he's like you don't have to beat me you just have to keep try and keep up that's it's so good and i have to assume michael has to bullshit like of course i know that because he's trying to impress star Mm mm-hmm you know, like, of course he doesn't. Like, this bluff. Who the fuck knows about bluffs? Ever. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what a bluff is. I think you can die. Yeah, and it's funny <laughs> as hell, man, because, like, it's, it's even more disrespectful because he just bought this brand new fucking leather jacket. Now he's got him <laughs> sliding in the fucking box yeah. all on it. Yeah, no, it's like, he's had it for an hour, and it's already fucked up. Oh, and he was so proud of it, too, because you could see him, like, when he was fucking touching his jacket right after he got it, and he's like, oh, look at this. That was a good-looking jacket. Right. I'm sexy right. now. It's his The first shades step. are better, though. It's a, the first step to becoming a sexy vampire is a leather jacket. Oh, uh, you got to get leather something immediately. Yeah. Only thing that would have been better would have been some leather pants. Yeah. That's right. So we get them. They, we get the bike chase, um, and they Michael complaining throughout the entire movie afterwards of his nuts shaving <laughs> the leather pants. <laughs> like he confronts David, and he's just pulling at his fucking balls. He's like, "I wonder just if being you, a vampire cures enough chafing." <laughs> No, it has to, right? Yeah, because the wound on his hand healed. Exactly, it heals. So you can wear leather pants as a vampire. Yeah. No chafing. 
they they get to the bluff though, and Michael almost goes over the edge. He ends up sliding, like Daniel said, you know, scuffing up his jacket, you know, and he's mad because his his jacket potentially got damaged. So he jumps up and punches David in the face and tells him, "Just you, just you." Which and Dave, that too. yeah, David's natural response to getting punched in the face is like, "Hey, let's go back to our place and have some food together." Yeah, no, it's, it is funny because he is like, yeah, I like this guy, especially after he fucking hit me after fucking damn near killing him. So, like I said, that is where it does seem like, you know, he takes a liking to him. One wants to bring him into the fold, you know. Hey, what did uh before we get to the the underground hotel, um, we get a, a little scene with Grandpa and he gives Sam. What did he give Sam? What was that fucking animal? That's a stuffed squirrel, wasn't it? See, that's what I thought at first, but that squirrel's fucking huge. Yeah, that squirrel's big. I think it was a beaver. Because a beaver would have had a flat tail, right? Yeah, I don't think it was a beaver. Um, I don't think it was a raccoon either. No, it wasn't a raccoon. It may have been just a big old fat squirrel. That thing was fucking huge. Yeah. Grandpa, the amateur taxidermist. Yeah, and we found out why uh, Sam is not a horror comic kind of guy because this motherfucker don't like the door being open. Motherfucker still take bubble bath. Yeah, <laughs> this motherfucker is scared of that stuffed animal. He's like, "No, you're not staying right there." And he's like, all skittish about getting a. I just feel. Go ahead. Now, as you gonna say, as opposed to a Rob Blow, Rob Blow, oh, dude, yeah. And it's, I was not 100%, but I did write that in my notes. I do feel like Sam play, uh, or Corey Haim plays Sam's character younger, I think, than what he was. What he is in the movie, I think he plays him younger than that in some of the scenes. Like you said, with like the bubble bath and stuff. Yeah. I feel like just like what Josh was saying when like the original script, they were supposed to be younger. I feel like that might have been like a holdover because. Corey Haim has to be what, like 12, 13 in this movie? Yeah. He's probably going to be about three years uh, younger than his brother, which is 18. So I would think fucking 14 years old, 14, 15 or something. But like you said, the way he acts, the way he portrays it, it does seem like it is more fucking 12 years old. You know, hell, even younger maybe. It's not in every scene, but it's like in that one where he's in the tub. Yeah. And he's singing and combing his hair in the tub the thing about that scene that is odd is that earlier he had mentioned like there's no tv so there's no mtv because this is filmed in 1986 i mean that that's what was what but when he's in the tub taking a bath okay whatever listening to music yeah okay you're listening to doo-wop yeah. Like, shouldn't you be listening to, like, current music? Yeah. You know, like, you're listening to this 1953 fucking odd music. Like, it should have been, like, Cindy Lauper or, I'm not even saying they could afford that, but, like, hair metal or something. Yeah. It's just I'm weird. Wrong. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it is funny, though, too, because at the beginning, they're giving their mom shit for the radio stations, mm-hmm. you know, whenever like, you know, change it, change it, change it. Here is Sam. 
Sam was just trying to act hard in front of his brother. He was trying to impress Michael. Deep down, he loves all that shit his mom listens to. I wish I could remember the words to the song. I would sing it. So I wish I could remember the words to the song he was singing in the tub. I'd sing it too on this podcast for you guys. But it's funny because Josh did mention uh, something that kind of got blown over, but it was, it was fucking funny and surprising. Like, like I said before, they moved out or they moved in, they unpacked their boxes of shit and they were kind of playfully, you know, brotherly uh, doing their thing. But it's funny because apparently they settle in pretty quick because it's only like the third night and they're completely, this is not a Jesse situation from fucking uh, Freddie. <laughs> no, they get on it. They get on it. Yes. They take care of business, you know? So, but in his room, he's got uh, a couple fucking posters and one of them, one of them was uh, Phoebe Cates, right? No, no, not Phoebe Cates. It wasn't Phoebe Cates. It was uh, Molly Ringwald. It's Molly Ringwald. I was about to say, if it's the 80s, it had to be Molly Ringwald. No, it was Molly Ringwald, and then the other one was Rob Love, like a fucking model picture of him, all sexy. We're back. But yeah, it's also um, Rob Lowe all modeled out, like a uh, shirt, like probably soaking wet, white t-shirt pulled up, showing abs. Yeah, Rob Lowe, like, I mean, sixteen, looking like nineteen eighty six Rob Lowe. I I will say this, Daniel, I love you. You are one of my oldest friends. I did put my notes like, you know, you try to set up a joke, you know, cause I'm an amateur and I'm like, yeah, Daniel, you, uh, you remember that, uh, poster you had of a shirtless Gavin Rosdale? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's the best sophomore <laughs> album of all time. <laughs> and it was a callback, but then like, you could make fun of me. Like, Please yeah, I'd suitcase. I, my picture of Tom Brady and, Brad Pitt kissing yeah, that, that I drew myself. <laughs> that you based off of a puppet you made? Yeah. A pocket pussy? <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> we get David and Michael and the gang at the hotel, you know, and he's telling like, this used to be the the biggest resort United years ago, but then the fault line opened up and it fell into a crack in the earth. And so it's ours now. And then, you know, he's like, you want some food? And he, he has, I can't remember. Was it Marco? He had to get the food or was it? I don't know. Uh, Marco's the only name I know. That's I know, Alex that's Winters. What, now, I yeah. don't know the other two. Yeah. That's why I said, did he send Marco? Cause that's the only one I can remember too. You killed Marco. Yeah. Right. Um, he brings the food and they get Chinese food and he's like, you want some rice? And he's like, no. And this is after, and I, I forgot this. God damn it. I, sometimes I just get ahead of myself. Guys, I'm sorry. David offers him a joint though. It says appetizer. Yeah. And does. so Michael takes it and he hits it some and immediately he just gets like all fucking like mellow and just like barely there. It seems like and he's like, you want some, uh, you want some rice? He's like, no. Nah. Nah. And he's like, come on, how can a billion Chinese people be wrong? And he yeah. takes it and he's like eating it. And Michael's or David's like, how's them maggots, Michael? He's like, huh? He's like, you're maggots. You're eating maggots, Michael. Because they say Michael every three seconds in this movie. Oh, they say each other's names so much that even I will do that too, where you get them flopped up. Like, you know who the fuck's who, but yeah, they say it so much, you, you know, and mixed up. 
David is really like digging into Michael, you know, leading up to these points, leading up to the point where he drinks from the bottle. He's like, it's kind of like, you remember back being in school when there was that, that person that was just for whatever reason, always acted kind of adversarial to you. Yeah. Or maybe everybody loved you in school and you didn't have that problem. No, I think I had that problem, but I'm. Well, I, th- I was saying, I don't think Daniel had that problem because he was just kind of having a look on his face like, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, that's kind of how I feel about it here with this, the way that they're just kind of being adversarial towards Michael until he like gets in the click. You know, so he's telling him he's like, he's eating maggots and then he gives him some noodles and he's like, no, it's worms. He's like, what are you talking about? They're just noodles, Michael. No, David is definitely sizing him up here, and he's That's also a good trying to. Sport. Thank you, John. He's trying to get him back for that punch he got on him, and David kept the school, and now David's fucking with him, and um, you know, this maggot and this worm scene, man, it's so goddamn iconic. Like, yeah, I swear that's one of the things that people remember immediately when you think of that movie. Yeah, and it's so quick. It's, it, there's hardly any setup. It's like, hey, eat some rice. Immediately. It's like, do you like maggots? Like, immediately. Like, if you like rice, he looks down and it's maggots. Yeah, he's like, how are your maggots? It's funny because you're right. And it's so crazy because like, it is like he's messing with him in the sense <laughs> that he's like just trying to fuck with him because think about it. The next thing he's like, hey, go get the shit. Like, I just wanted to fuck with him a little bit before we turn because he's you know, gonna, yeah. gonna fuck with his mind like that once he's turned. Yeah, it's funny because it had been hilarious like, when he did hold him that uh, hand him that joint and he started hitting it. He was like, this is good. He was like, that's Bermuda grass. <laughs> Bermuda grass. Bermuda grass. And he's like, what? Oh, you're messing with me, dude. <laughs> Instead of, you know, being actual weed. <laughs> I'm like, that's crab grass. <laughs> you're smoking stickers. <laughs> I like the way Daniel just acted it out and the looks he did. He's like, oh, what? It's like, what? Hey, this is. But anyway, it is funny because he does do the shit with him. And, it, and like Josh said, it is so iconic because it's just, and it's so great because like you said before, and that's something I didn't think about before is that I don't think about that comment at the, towards the end when he's like, I knew that I need to get you into the family or get them into the family so I could get you into the family or whatever. So now he has this command to do so. So he wants to fuck with him a little bit before, you know, he does it. Yeah. But. But real quick, before we move on from the rice, worst fucking Chinese food rice I've ever seen. Like, uh, when I go get rice from a Chinese food place, I want it to be fried or I want it to be something with some flavor in it. That was just straight up. That was just straight (laughs) up dry ass rice. It's pretty terrible. Yeah, I know, right? It's it's pretty terrible and old. Chinese people. All billion of you. Get your shit right. (laughs) Because that is such a funny comment. Yeah. We go through the uh, the whole food scene, and we get to the point where he, you know, David whispers. I'm just going to say he whispered to Marco. I know it wasn't Marco, but that's the only, like we said, that's the only name we know. So he whispers to one of the other uh, Lost Boys, and he's like, and he comes back with a bottle. And, you know, like, David takes a drink, you know, and he looks really satisfied with it, like it was the best drink he's ever taken in his life. He offers it to Michael, and at this point, Michael, he's he's lured him in with the whole fake out on the rice and the noodles, to where when Star's like, "You don't have to do this; it's blood." He's like, "Yeah, right. Y'all aren't fucking no. me anymore." 
and he drinks it. So, I mean, there was a purpose like, to everything he'd done. Yeah. He's, that is the best blood he's ever drank in his life, too. Cause he, yeah, everybody looks real satisfied when they drink it. It looked, he looked real satisfied. Really refreshing. And this isn't, this isn't the Lost Boys' fault. You know, honestly, like, True Blood probably did it better than anybody, but anytime somebody's drinking wine that's blood, it's always like, oh, well, that's obviously a liquid. Yeah, it looked like red water. It yeah. It wasn't thick enough. No, it was not thick enough at all. Like, True Blood kind of got there. True Blood did get there, I'm not to say. Um, but yeah, so that's it. So Michael's a convert. And then they go to the train tracks. Yes, yes. And uh, Iconic scene, another iconic yeah. scene. Yeah. To the to the point now, like when you look in your iTunes library, that's actually the cover of the movie. Currently. That is the yep, it is. And it's a it's a four minute scene. Mm-hmm. It really it's four is. minutes. Yeah, it's uh they really build on it, and that's and I do like it a lot. Like I love the fact that they get down. Now it is funny how they just jump down, and he doesn't think that's suspicious. I mean, it'd be nice if they kind of would have just kind of hopped down or whatever. And it's like, what are you guys doing? But that wouldn't make sense for it to be like, they just jumped to their deaths. And then it's like, bam, and he gets down there. And train starts going, so he thinks that they're actually falling. Yeah. I have to say awesome, especially because he's like, let go. It's okay. I mean, I I do have to point out, this is the slowest train ever. Like, you were expecting like a, a hot speed rail system here right yeah it is like they're about to stop right above them <laughs> that's how slow it's going yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah to really shake the pillars of earth and it's just like yeah, it's about 20 miles per hour yeah. and just taking the scenic route <clears throat> yeah they they drop off they end up uh going back to the house with grandpa and uh Sam and Grandpa, wait a minute. Oh God, I didn't make a note. When does uh, I know Grandpa's going to see the widow Johnson, and he's like, "I'm going to take her this item," and he's like, "Or he's, I'm going to take her something." He's like, "Uh, "What did you stuff for you, Mister Johnson?" Yeah, and Grandpa's like, "Uh, well." See y'all later. Now, Grandpa's amazing because in this scene that you're talking about, he comes up to Sam and he's like, I've got no aftershave. And then mm-hmm. Sam trying to fuck with his grandpa. He's like, well, Grandpa, how, how about you use some Windex? And Grandpa's like, fuck it. I'll use some Windex as aftershave. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> Better than nothing. <laughs> Better than nothing. Fucking hey, Grandpa. Fucking. Yeah. That, yeah. It and then works while- for him. That Windex works for him, too. That's when you know you lay in pipe. I'm fucking out wear Windex and she ain't gonna say no. While they're uh yeah, Sam goes to take a bath and my- Michael kind of almost said David again. <laughs> Shit, dude. Um Michael comes up to the bathroom and Nanook attacks him and bites his hand. Yeah. And Sa- Sam, not worried about his fucking brother at all, he's like, 
what'd you do to the nook? He's like, he bit me. He's like, what'd you do? Yeah. He's like, what'd he's trying to protect you. Yeah. And then he, uh, and then, um, he sees like the reflection in the mirror and he's like, look at your, look at your reflection. And he yeah. puts his hand behind Michael and he can see through it. And then here was, I like this line. And I thought this was another, you know, like classic line in the movie. And he's like, my own goddamn brother's a shit sucking vampire. Wait until mom finds out the greatest line in the movie. Greatest line in the movie. Um, it's hilarious how once that fucking reflection thing happens, though, Nanook is like, fuck this, I'm out. Because Nanook is running with him. Sam and Nanook are both fucking gone, whatever it says. <laughs> they start running from him after that. Nanook, it's a, um, it's an Inuit word for master of bears. And the Inuits would worship this god, Nanook, who was a polar bear, who sort of graced upon hunters if you were allowed to kill or if the bear killed you but can i say this oh before you say this i need you to say that where'd you get that information from and i looked it up because nanook is a unusual name and i'm okay. like what does that mean i was just like josh is coming through with some fucking discovery channel shit all of a sudden yeah i had to look it up because it's it's uh you could tell it's like this sort of native name mm -hmm. but can i say that uh what an asshole this entire family is for having this breed of dog nanook in phoenix arizona uh, <laughs> like what kind of you fucking asshole <laughs> monsters like can you let your dog out no we cannot he will literally die <laughs> i feel bad enough about having fucking hazel a german shepherd <laughs> i know right summer it's brutal it's brutal and you have nanook in she yes bad in an air condition oh she's living the hot life but yes she's not a goddamn Half wolf breed in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Jesus, poor Nanook. I mean, she's. Oh, yeah. there's some things you tell your kid no to. <laughs> yes. But no, we can't get a fucking Siberian Husky. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've fucking failed you as a parent. Well, I'd rather be dead in orange county than alive in phoenix okay uh moving on uh <laughs> little... now i get your arrested development reference thank you no but yeah my own brother a goddamn shit sucking vampire <laughs> wait till you wait till mom finds out yeah best line in the movie a but... shit sucking vampire this is is this when she's out uh, out with uh, uh, Max? Yeah. I don't know why I didn't write yeah. that down for some reason. Yeah, so, yeah, because she asked Michael to stay home and sit with Sam. And Sam's like, I don't need a babysitter. And she's like, come on, you sleep all day. Um, I'm at work. You know, Sam's always alone. He's like, okay, mom. But and then first it was a dick. He was like, she can take care of himself. Yeah. Well, fucking sleeping, mom. It's 
What's wrong with you? <laughs> fucking fucking Michael starts floating outside though. Yeah. <laughs> he, no, tries, he tried to calm it down. He just laid in bed and closed his eyes. Yeah, and he ends up on the ceiling. Yeah. And then somehow well, he ends up fucking outside. Yeah, oh yeah. Hanging on for dear life. I'd be panicking then too. And what, he was hanging on to the phone. Floating up. Yeah. Cause uh cause Sam calls his mom and he's like, Mom, he's trying to kill me. And then he's on the other line, like, no, mom, don't listen to him. While he's fucking floating outside. It's and she's up, she's tripping out because she heard Michael fucking screaming. That's what started her getting panicky in the first place. Like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if we're at the scene now, because I don't think I wrote this down. But it is so funny how like he calls the frog brothers. He's like, hey, I think my brother might yeah, yeah, he calls him here. You're right. Yeah. And the Frog Brothers are like, okay, uh, does he sleep all day? Yeah. Does he have like, is he, does he hate the sunlight? Yeah. Does he have long fingernails and bad breath? He's like, he's always had bad breath. His fingernails are getting long. I love like the subtlety of the screenplay because it's like, you just described every teenager. <laughs> yeah, and, and their response is, kill him. Kill him. <laughs> He's a vampire. He sleeps all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? With bad breath. Skunk? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a vampire. Kill him immediately. <laughs> Does he smell like a skunk? When, nice. When Michael tries to get some milk, did y'all uh, pay attention to the milk carton? Carnation. Well, well, yeah, but it's yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Letty. It's Letty. Yeah, but yes. did you see his birth date? No. Nineteen seventy-six. So that kid is about right around the age as the original screenplay. They left Letty in that character because Star is his protector. Because what the fuck is Star? Sexy outside of he being his protector, but why is she his protector? What the fucking point is Star? I don't know if like because she said that was her brother, right? No, no, she never said that. She was just like I assumed all the time that yeah he was a little brother or something. But maybe they got him for her because they wanted her in the fold eventually, and so they got her. Which is so weird because let's just say she's 18 as well. What does an 18 year old want? To raise a 10 year old. That's what all 18 year olds want. We assume that they're <laughs> to become a mother. Huh? We assume that they're 18, but um, Michael's, I keep, I keep having to fucking remember Michael because I, now that you've said it, Josh, it just happens all the time in my head where I want to say David instead of Michael or Michael instead of David. Mm. Uh, but Michael, and his mom are having a conversation at one point, you know, and she's like, things are going to change when school starts back. Yeah. So he's going to be like 16 or 17. Well, he may be 17 mm-hmm. working on, it might be like the summer before senior year or something, but cause it does seem like he is fucking grown, you know? No, this dude looks 25. Yeah. I mean, even as handsome as he is like him and Kiefer, they look like they've been paying taxes for six years. Yeah. You know? Like, whenever you said that earlier, I was thinking, like, early to mid-20s is what I figured those out. Yeah. Because they used to do that shit all the time, too. 
and they're just fucking smoking at 18. Mm-hmm. It's fucking beautiful, man. Well, that's that's when you had like the cigarette machines everywhere and you could just buy them. Yeah. Just fucking pull that little knob and bam. That's it. <clears throat> so now we're on to. Well, we get the, uh, we get Michael and Star hooking up. And then the next morning you get grandpa and he's like, looks like I'm not the only person that got lucky last night. And apparently grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa is okay with premarital sex, teenage sex. He's not worried about like teenage pregnancies. He's just like, fuck it. You know, Michael, you want to have sex? Go out there and do your thing, buddy. But then, uh, we, uh, Daniel, are you listening? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Oh, I, my bad. I didn't notice Josh walked away. I would have been way more, uh, talking, okay, le- not Daniel's, leaving me hanging. My bad. Daniel's notes time. Okay. Daniel's right. notes time. All right. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Michael goes back to the cave for answers. The boys are gone harassing the video store guy. His search for answers comes to a screeching halt, and he bangs Star. Because <laughs> <laughs> it does. He's like, oh, what the fuck? And then he's like, oh, wait, what's up, girl? Uh, it's just, yeah. it's, oh, we about to get sensually down, bitch. <laughs> so funny, because it's like, he t- he saw the um the opportunity, and he seized it. Yeah, he did. He's like, I can't explain anything to you, so I'm just going to hang you, so you forget about it, and it worked. So Michael is getting some. Grandpa's getting some. The mom is trying to get some, but she keeps Lucy's getting blocked. trying to get her. Yeah, yeah, she's trying to, but she keeps getting screwed over by her children. Yeah. So she goes to uh, take a bottle of wine to Max, and she's got um, uh, Sam with her. You know, and he's, he's like, why are we doing this? Oh, no, never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. And she goes, she's like, you should be taking this bottle of wine to him after that stunt she pulled last night. And this is where you get the first hint that maybe Max is like, the head vampire because she goes up to his house and thorn attacks. Yeah. And she, she runs back and she jumps over that fence and thorn gets a piece of her uh, dress and rips it. But then thorn starts trying to come through the fucking gate and he's smashing his shit. It turned into Cujo really quick. It did. It did. And go ahead, Danny. Oh, I was only going to say the acting by her was really good in the moment too, because like, once she got over, she was like, oof. And then the dog starts chewing through the fence and she straight fucking shoves Corey Haim off of her. Like she shoves Sam off of her. Is like, go, like get the fuck out of here. Like A, get going to get to safety and B, get the fuck out of my way so I can get to safety too. <laughs> you know? So it's just funny because like it was believable, you know? She was trying to get the fuck out of there. And I love how, you know, I mean, this shit doesn't happen in real life, but I love when a good movie can incorporate this because he is looking at the comic book and he's looking at Hounds of Hail yeah. right before she gets chased. And I'm like, I love that. Like, it's, you know, it's like Basic Instinct, that scene where Michael Douglas finds out that his partner's about to die. And, you know, what are the chances? Zero to none. But with a good movie, it makes it just... I've never actually watched Basic Instinct. Oh, it's good, man. I've only watched scenes. Oh, yeah. 
No, I mean, I've seen two scenes a lot. <laughs> I've seen the entire movie maybe twice. He's like, <laughs> and the first time I watched the full th- time, it's so I could be like, man, I got to tell people I've seen this movie. Yeah. I can't let them know that I've only seen fucking 35 seconds of it. <laughs> I need like my cred as a movie lover, <laughs> not as a, I want to jack off lover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I re- Josh is saying he really got that pause perfect fucking man I bet you were excited when fucking like Blu-ray came out and everything you're like I can finally watch this shit in high def high definition <sighs> I know we all at one time to varying degrees collected Blu-rays mm-hmm. yeah. do y'all remember the basic instinct blue uh not Blu-rays DVD do you remember the basic instinct? Did it come with an ice pick? Ice pick, yes. And it came in like a clear case, like that little like ice. You had the DVD and it had the ice pick. Um, I can safely say to both of y'all, and I mean this 100%, no cum ever got on <laughs> the, the DVD case well, the or ice the ice pick. pick. Well, I was going to say the ice pick was a different story. No, that was safe too. I wasn't do anything with that uh the tv i don't know that was a disaster um (laughs) i was putting windex on as uh aftershave aftershave. my mom walks in the room why do you have so much windex we get um after the thorn scene after him smashing through the the gate they decide to have dinner at their house, and Josh had alluded to it earlier when Max came over and Grandpa shuts the door because Grandpa knows. But you get, and Max does it very cleverly when he comes there because, you know, he's a vampire, so he can't enter unless invited. And he comes to the door and he meets up with Michael and he's like, Oh, well, as a man of the house, I'm not coming in until you invite me. And then he's like, You're invited in. And Corey Haim or Sam shows up with the frog frog brothers, Edgar and Allen, obviously an Edgar Allan Poe reference, even though I don't think Edgar Allan Poe ever wrote about vampires, but I guess it's okay. Cause it's not on, not as on the nose as it had been if they were like named Brahm and Stoker. Well, their names don't get repeated like Michael and David either. Yeah. Like you just know them as the frog brothers, not Edgar and Allen, you know, but, um, that he's like, mm. these are my dinner guests. And she's like, well, we got plenty of food for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You got fucking Corey Feldman over there. Try to, you know, trying to be subtle, making these little head motions, like give them the garlic. You know? Well, I, you know, there's a scene that like, and, and it's a scene. It's, it's a line that probably amounts to jack shit, but I thought it was, pretty clever in the script because when max first gets there michael's leaving you know he can't hang for dinner michael invites him in then then max comes in and then when he sees diane weist he says is it okay for the guests to see the food before dinner and he's looking at diane weist i'm like that's pretty clever Nah, I didn't even. That is very clever, up. and that's yeah. some shit that's never. Even that's very gone clever of you, Josh. Yeah, because Diane wishes like you're thinking of a wedding. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, 
But it's yeah. funny because another thing that you were talking about, Bone, you know, you're talking about how he's like, hey, the man of the house, you know, to get invited in. He's not the fucking man of the house. He's a fucking chief. No, grandpa. Uh, yeah. But Max. Give you fucking permission. Max is scared of grandpa. Yeah. Because, look. As long as he gets invited in, he's in. Right? Yeah. And once Lucy and and Michael and Sam get into the family, he does not have to worry about grandpa. I'm telling you, my theory tracks. Yeah, but it's just funny because my thing is, is like, that's how it normally is. If it's like, if you're invited into a place, you're good to go. But even Max himself is like, I won't come in unless the man of the house invites me. You know, like makes it alludes to that the owner of the house has to invite you in for you to be able to make, you know, come in or whatever, you know? So, like I said, that was a little bit of a a hole there, you know? But to me, that's what makes this movie, like I can wax poetic about this movie um, until the cows come home, but like this movie... kind of plays fast and loose with the rules to its benefit you know it's because this is 1987 vampires i mean outside of um fright night like and i'm you know i don't i don't really know many movies from this decade that were vampire movies you know and this yeah, one, like Friday Night's, definitely one that I put up there with it too. I love that. I actually watched that uh, this past Halloween season. Oh yeah, Friday Night's a goddamn key classic. But this one sort of acknowledges the rules, and Friday Night does too. Again, I know Friday Night does. I I watched Friday Night on the reg, um, or at least on the background, you know. But this one does but it doesn't it acknowledges them but it's not strict with them you know what i'm saying it throws out garlic and it does yeah and look i'm all down for that i'm cool with like different things having their different sets where some shit will and some shit won't make it into the rules the only confusion i was talking about is like he said it himself where it was like this implication as we are as uh, as an audience learning about what this movie's rules are they throw that out there and it, it does make it feel like them you know the owner of the house has to say this yeah but he's not so like i said and i know there's being a little nitpicky but you know because i fucking love this shit too and it might be what it is he might have been now this is where you can kind of think you know like kind of riff with yourself on what be the they might have been trying to say in a scene uh, but he might have been trying to fucking play on him being a fucking 17 year old cocky yeah, little shit. Anybody could fucking invite him in, but that might have been his real quick way to being like, I know that if I say man in the house, he's going to immediately answer that with inviting me in because he thinks he's the man of the house. Instead of having to awkwardly be like, can someone invite me in? I'm kind of a vampire. We've, uh, that's how I take it. Yeah. I just wanted to say we have spent a lot of time talking about man of the house, figuring out no, it's like, funny because. The rules of, no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, how many tests did they do, Daniel? Was it? It was like three of them, right? It, I think it was three. Yeah, it was the garlic, it was the holy water, and it was the mirror, right? 
Because yeah. they pull out this weird-ass fucking mirror. Yeah, with like an extension, like a yeah. mirror type thing. Uh, it's funny because a lot of this generation probably won't even be able to fucking think of what that is. You know? Like, because and because I haven't seen anything like that in a long time where it's a mirror that's on some type of contraption that you can push it into the corner of the room. But when you need it, you pull it down to you. The only time I've seen it is in Lost Boys. I'm not going to lie. Well, I've seen something like that for like vanities. You know what I'm saying? Where you have a mirror that you can adjust or you can, you know, whatever. But I can honestly say, like, uh, all of those parents have something to that effect in their bathroom. And as someone who wears contacts, it's amazing. Amazing. Like, I wish we had one. But I digress. So they did a little test, you know, and they're like, oh, we fucked up. He's not the head vampire. Because even the Frog Brothers are like, you know, we were wrong on this. And we cut to where Michael's at. And he's with David and all them. And they... They come up on these uh, people dancing around a fire. And, you know, and to Dave, walk this way by Run DMC. Yeah, Chris. And David tells Michael, you know, he he reveals him. He's like, you know what we are. He's like, you're one of us. You'll never grow old. You'll never die. Um, blah blah. But you've got to feed. Yep. And they kill they kill the party goers. And this is this has always been like my favorite death in the movie is when uh. Michael bites that dude on the top of the fucking head. <laughs> you see blood squirt out. I love that. Yeah. I've, it's funny because I knew exactly what the fuck you were going to say. And apparently Josh did too. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not the normal per- place that a vampire bites somebody. Usually it's the neck. Right. And this one, he's just like, no, nah, I'm biting this fucking bald head. Yeah. I forget where, um, I forget where I had it, but I had it somewhere where it was like, uh, epic head bite or some shit like that but i did have it in my notes as well because it's fucking awesome and that spray yeah yeah it's definitely a good kill it's hard it's it's hard to pick but i think like when they take michael up to this i mean it's like beautiful locations beautifully shot it might be my favorite scene in the movie because it is like this tree that has these branches that are low. Yeah. At the same time, they're looking at this, like it's on a beach. They're seeing this bonfire with these people and just how they, how Schumacher has staged this scene to where they're all like, have their own little special place on the tree. Kiefer delivers these lines as David. And, you know, the the way Schumacher has framed it to where like they're talking to Michael and then you cut to Michael and, and it pretty much Kiefer says to him without you seeing Kiefer's like it's time. And then you see Michael's point of view and now they've turned and now you've seen it. And now all hell breaks loose. Michael freaks out. And this is where you get the iconic line. You know, you're one of us. Yeah. After they've done their killing, he rolls down the hill. They're standing on top of the hill. Again, you know, you get this light behind them and they're standing there, all four of these guys. And they're like, you'll never grow old. You'll never die. You're one of us. It's, it's so fucking good. Yeah. So like good. You said all the, about all these iconic things about this movie. That's another one of them standing there. It is the shit. Mm-hmm. It really is. You, um, yeah, they kill the party and then star visits Michael and they kind of have a little, spat and she leaves 
But then um, Sam's like, I've got connections and calls the Frog Brothers. Now, yeah. <laughs> hell, that's the ones to call. Shit. And, We're uh, laughing, but fuck, man. Because we we'd forgot to talk about it, but we, when they gave him the second comic book, comic book was a destroy all vampires or something like that the there's like they yeah they're like still trying to fill them out yeah they're like there's a number of hey them look out. sam we only have like four other comic books like after this like we're all dead <laughs> she uh well they tell him they're like our numbers on the back pray you never have to call us yeah and then he just immediately calls them over and over it seems like but i know and their fucking advice is always the same just state your fucking brother yeah i kill your brother because <laughs> remember <laughs> you'll feel better yeah, I know, right? Because he tells him, he's like, well, what if what, what if we don't know who the, well, if we can't find who the leader is? And he's like, then you're going to have to kill your brother. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> your brother who sleeps all day as an 18-year-old, he's got to die. Yeah, just kill him. He'll feel better. But they call the uh, the Frog Brothers and they go to, they drive out, they take Grandpa's car. Yeah. They and they drive out to the uh, cave. And, uh, you know, Michael's like, these guys are uh, like stone cold killers. And Sam's like, so are they talking about the Frog Brothers? And do you see them while they're checking each other's fucking backpacks and shit? Bag check, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that, it's so subtle. I don't know if it was by design or if it just the way this you know it happened accidentally, or whatever. But when they first start checking their bags, they both turn around for the other one to check their bags. That's, that's beautiful. And then then they turn back around and they're like, oh, well, let me check you. Yeah, but yeah, they go into. And it's only like three weapons. Yeah, like you can check your own backpack, brother. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they go into the cave, um, and they're looking around, and they're like, you know, shouldn't there be coffins? And then Corey Feldman, and I like what Corey Feldman's character in this movie does. Like, he'll he's not going to admit to being wrong about anything. If you tell him like, oh, hey, they're supposed to wear the coffins. He was just like, this is one big coffin. Yeah. And then there was another scene where um, oh, it's like um, at the end when Max tells him like, oh, silly boy, you invited me in. And when you invite a vampire into your home, it loses all power. And you're like, well, did you know that? And Corey Feldman's like, yeah, of course. And you're kind of looking sideways. So when they're in here talking about this and it's just something I caught, you know, not huge or instrumental or anything like that no but it does make them seem it, it's almost a comedic effect a, after the fact because they yeah. are they're right but they're also like kind of full of shit kind of 13 yeah. year olds you know yeah. like they're into it they believe in it they're ready for it but they're actually just now kind of like being a little more informed on it you know, first day on the job <laughs> They've studied for the test. This is their first day on the job. So, so it is like, of course I knew that. So that it is, yeah. it is a pretty funny little thing. They they make a comment about the place stinking. So I'm assuming that vampires stink. It's not just their breath. But then they they find the vampires finally. They're, they go climbing around and they find them hanging up. And they're like, well, we got to kill the head vampire. They're like, well, we don't know which one the head vampire is. And then Corey Feldman's like, first come, first staked. Yep. And it's funny. My one... Thing I'm sorry, Daniel. But one thing no, with then, the movie is like, and we we used to talk about this a lot more. We haven't talked about it as much recently. But you know, high definition movies. When he gets ready to stake him, you can see that that's a gimmicked stake that's made to yeah. retract into itself. Yeah, I was about to say the same shit because I uh, remember years ago you had fucking took a picture 
and sent it to us on the uh, Oh, that's you, right. You remember? Because he was like, that's the one drawback to 4K. Because then you can see things like this way clearer. Yeah, you can see the cables on Batman in Batman 1989, whenever he would j jump down. You could, in Terminator, whenever Arnold takes the X-Acto knife to his eye, if you watch it in high def, you can see that there's no blade in the X-Acto knife. Oh, that's <sighs> crazy. Yeah, well, I've watched enough Giallos. I'm not watching this scene ever again. I will say this, though. Um, <laughs> you got to watch the beyond. There's three tra it, trauma scenes. Uh, yeah, that's that's a no-go, man. And I I want to watch the beyond, but I can't. But it is so funny, though, because Corey Feldman is like, you know, first come, first serve. I can't wait for the leader. It's like, hang on, brother, man. If you just take two seconds... You can define the leader just by the hairstyles. And you know Alex Winter is definitely not the goddamn leader with this curly-ass, funky-ass mullet. Like, there is no way nobody's taking instructions from him. You know what else you could have done in that scene? Like, if you're the Frog Brothers and if you're fucking uh, Corey. Uh, and Corey three of you have stakes. Exactly. Just everybody take a vampire. You will you have a 75% chance, because there's four of them, right? Yeah. You have a 75% chance of getting this right. Look, you could just go, let's... There's only one left. Let's go all blondes. There's only one brunette. Let's go all blondes. But now they're like, we're going we're gonna to take it down to a 25% chance. We're just going to kill one. We're going to kill Ted. That's Bill. Yeah. It was Bill. Bill is S. it Bill? Preston, yeah, Bill S. Preston Esquire. Yeah. Well, fuck me. I didn't know that. Okay. I <laughs> thought Keanu Reeves would be the lead uh, in that. Keanu is Ted. Ted Theodore Logan. That makes sense. He looks more like a Ted than a Bill. I like Alex Winter, so no shade. No so, shade. you know, like he's Alex apparently Winters. become like an accomplished director because he does oh, uh, yeah. documentaries, right? Yeah. I think he did one recently that I watched that I rated on Letterboxd. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said, I think I only, only did about a four-page essay on that one. They they stake Marco, though, which is Bill, or Alex Winter. I, God damn it, Josh. No, it's, it's, it's Bill, and it's Marco, and they, it's they, Alex Winter. <laughs> they, they stake Bill as Preston Esquire, and, yeah. and uh, Doc from Young Guns wakes up. I'm just going to start calling all the characters by different names from their other movies they're in. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, or as I call them, 24. Yeah, 24. Call them the name of the show. When Flatliners wakes up, he's like, <laughs> he's none too happy. Yeah. You're dead me. You're dead me. I love it. Uh. It's, it never said, because didn't they say that in the Karate Kid also? Oh, yeah, that was... A, like, you're dead meat. And that was just, yeah, that was like an 80s fucking saying, you're dead meat. Yeah, dead meat. No, dead meat. As opposed to the prison saying of fresh meat. Those <laughs> mean completely different things. <laughs> so, they, they, uh, they get the hell out of Dodge after a... David wakes up and they fucking bail out, right? And they're they well, they get in the car and uh Jason Patrick's character, uh Michael, is passed the fuck out. Oh, so he's out. he's he's out, stars out, laddie's out, 
so Corey Haim, uh, Sam takes over to Will, yeah. and they're like, burn rubber. And he throws it in reverse, and they almost drive off the cliff. Yeah. And he's like, and, burn rubber, not warp speed. Yeah, he's like, burn rubber doesn't mean warp speed. But he's yeah. he's hollering at the Frog Brothers. Like, they're the ones that threw the car in reverse and almost drove off the cliff when that was fucking him. Exactly. And uh, they they get out of there, though, and they go home, and they're like, they're going to come for us. We got to prepare. They got to get ready. So they go to the fucking church and they get holy water. They interrupt the service and they get, they get holy water. Um, They've got, they're smashing up garlic. You know, they got steaks and a bow and arrow and everything. And they they got all kind of shit ready. They're getting that place rigged up for sure. But they have to take, um, they have to take the nook outside because he's growling, you know, because there's vampires in his presence or half vampires in his presence. Yeah. And they tell they tell them like you know if you vamp out of us in any way, we'll stake you, we'll kill you when they're getting yeah. ready because because at this point we had the Frog Brothers and Sam together with Michael and Star and Laddie, and so he's like just be forewarned if we get any kind of sense that you're going to vamp out, we will kill you, yeah because they're stone cold vampire killers. Oh like, yeah, now it's uh, official. Yeah, now these guys are hard. Yeah. And then uh, we're talking about them getting the house ready for the yeah uh, getting ready for the assault um, retaliation. But while while Josh was away, we did uh, skip over uh, another part that um, that I liked, man. And it's what whenever was that? he gets burnt on his hand, whenever uh, twenty. Oh yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, and he has the one tear. Yeah, and he has the tear. You know, it's just funny because like it's so like, keeps on making me think that they are baby vampires, that they are really young because it's like this they feel so much power with being vampires that he got burned up a little bit and he got got, you know, that he just I don't know, that pain shed that tear. I liked it, you know. Yeah. I like that touch. And it you know, like I don't even know if I viewed it like they're baby vampires and not saying you're wrong about that. Cause obviously they're baby vampires, but it, it just seems such like a, a creative mood to be like one tear from David, from the sun, you know, it's like, it just, it just works in this movie, any other movie, one tear from a vampire. It doesn't, it doesn't. This movie, it does, though. Yeah. And that's the only time that sunlight comes into play, because a lot of times, sunlight is the final yeah. solution in a vampire movie. Like, they'll, they'll get there. Because even in, like, Fright Night, when you're fighting, sunlight comes into play at the end scene. Yeah. And then um, sunlight came into play, I think, in Near Dark. Interview with a vampire. Yeah, interview with a vampire when they leave a little stat outside. Yeah, so this is like the only instance in the movie where you get sunlight being a thing. So you know that like that part is that's still like legit. Unlike garlic, which gets thrown out in a few minutes, like sunlight's a thing, but it never happens again, which was nice because too many vampire movies probably in, I would say probably too many vampire movies end with sunlight being the, you know, saving grace. Unless you're twilight. Yeah, then you just sparkle in the sun. Sparkle. Jesus fucking Christ. All right, moving on. 
So yeah, they got they got the holy water and they got the house and everything, and and then they're they're waiting for him to show up, and they're like, oh, we got to bring the nook back inside, and they go out and get in the nook, and Star's like, they're coming, and then they they free the nook and they sprint back to the house. This caused me so much anxiety when I was younger watching this movie. This chase to see if the nook, and everybody's, I mean. Again, like this overhead shots to where you don't even need to see David. Like, it's even better that you don't see him, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's all just implied. And, and of course, Michael runs out. And as they're bringing the nook in, of course, of course, this is a movie. They slip. You yeah. Know? And yeah. they barely get inside. And it's... It's you know, amazing. We've all had dogs at some point. And we all know how leashes work. Why didn't he just fucking unhook the leash from the collar? Yeah. A sentimental attachment, I guess, to that particular leash. leash. I guess. Because yeah. I was just thinking about that when I was watching it today. And I'm like, man, they're making this, uh, this fucking leash scene. A lot harder than it has to be. Just pull the little latch down and unhook them. Yeah, I know, right? Just unhook them. Wait, here's the thing. The nook seems like a good dog. Yeah. You don't even need a leash. Just let him outside. You're in the country. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but the vampires infiltrate the house. Easily. Yeah, easily. They don't have to be invited in or nothing. I'm assuming. So my only thing, and like, and this is what I thought in my head to justify this for them entering the house was that since the head vampire was invited inside, they're able to come inside. I mean, it has to be. Well, yes and no, because like if they would have been invited inside, then maybe all the shit wouldn't have worked. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They have to be invited inside to, to, to disable the weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. You're, you're probably right there. I'm 99.9% sure that you're right, Josh. Well, that's, can we double that and post? 99.999% sure that you're right. Uh, that just feels good to hear. There is no post. There is no post. Say it out loud. The only post that happens is when I post this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like he had his pause earlier. So we're about to fucking put this out. It's only going to be one half of the podcast episode. (laughs) No, we're just rolling into the next episode after this, Daniel. We're just going to talk about our top fives of the year. Um, so the first, uh, I don't remember the fucking vampire names, but the, one of the vampires goes after the Frog Brothers. Uh, they try to shoot him with the gun, but they slaps it out of the way. He, and they're in the bathroom, and they have the garlic, and he's like, yeah, garlic. We'll just call him Adam Curry. Adam Curry? Oh, my God. There we go. He, Daniel, do you do you know? No. MTV. Yeah, he was one of the, one of the original hosts of MTV. Like handsome guy with like this fucking mane of hair. Yeah. Yeah. He's like garlic doesn't work. And then this uh, this is when Nook shows up right and pushes him into the uh, tub. <laughs> he falls. Well, they splash tub. it on his face. First. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they. That's like, how about holy water or something like that? And he splashes him on his face. And then the nook comes through and fucking just tackles him into the tub. Yeah. 
they were able to fill that tub up with holy water with a uh, no they mixed it they they? mixed it yeah okay because they just filled up like they filled up two canteens or three canteens yeah three canteens so the rest was like regular because they filled the water water. guns up out of the water in the tub yeah yeah which i thought was uh i like the water guns i thought that was pretty ingenious you know which they finally come they do that again and from dusk till dawn to better effect, I think, yeah. But you know what the most satisfying thing in, like, that's happened to me in the last, like, week or so has been? And it's so hard for something like this to happen because of the internet and stuff. Watched from Dust Till Dawn the other night with uh, uh, Chris and Gray, a couple friends of mine. And, you know, y'all have met Chris. We've watched, you know, he did an episode with me and Daniel. And then I think me and you watch movies with him, Josh. But, uh, and you've met Gray also, because I think you said you like Gray. Anyways, we're watching from Dust dust Till Dawn, and they had no idea it was a vampire movie. Oh, that's crazy. So when it fucking changes, they're just like, what the fuck is going on? on. Oh my God. Because it goes from fucking zero to 60. Yeah. Because you think you're watching like a fucking crime movie at first, you know, just these two guys on a crime spree and then all of a sudden it takes a hard fucking right and it's like hey this is a vampire movie now and so it was just so satisfying to One be able to watch best. that with yeah to watch that with somebody that didn't wow know. and to see their reactions i was like you're, oh my god i mean i you're, almost just you're watching like, it with true orgasm <laughs> i mean literally you're watching with baby vampires like you know, like you have to be a cert under a certain age to not know from dust till dawn takes that left. Yeah. No. Well, I got to ask you, Bone, since you watched it recently, what do you prefer, the first half or the second half? That's not a fair question. They're two different movies. They are two different movies. Uh, I think you. I probably like. You know what. I'd say I probably like the first half. Dude, that's crazy. Cause I was going to say the same thing. Like if I had to, I mean, but it also depends on like your mood, you know, but if you had to, if it was split, you could only watch one half of the movie ever. Yeah. The first half is, it's just all of that built up in the dialogue and the talking and the fucking humor is just fucking hilarious. And it's just so good. I think you can take the first half of that movie and make a whole movie out of it, make it a two-hour movie, and you would be enthralled with it. I don't know that you could take the second half of uh, From Dust Till Dawn and make it a two-hour movie. And The second it. half only exists because the first half, yeah. or the first half can exist on its own. Yeah. But yeah, it was, a, it was just such a, it was a fun experience, man. Like I said, you just don't get that nowadays with the internet and all. Like everybody knows everything no. about everything. Yes, yeah. And to have two people that never had that spoiled for him, like, but you know, two people, that's pretty amazing. Cause like, you're lucky to find one person that doesn't. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, that has nothing to do with anything. Are we going to cover it from dust till dawn? Maybe we should. Maybe at some point we're covering this. Wait, what other movies are we covering in this block? Fright Night. Friday night. Yeah, we were doing. Oh, this is a planned. Oh, okay. We talked about this. Yeah, yeah, we we did. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> we message you sometimes on the internet. <laughs> I 
I know that we talked about like doing another movie like Lost Boys, and everybody jumped on Lost Boys when we first talked about it before. No, it was Friday Night Lost Boys and the third one because uh, we we never acknowledged this. We are taking a break from um, oh we before uh, we actually talked about it yesterday. Or was it you know whenever whenever we did the Tuesday. Wolfman, we recorded it. I actually. Um, had a little monologue where I talked about our plans and everything. You know, like we want to do more episodes this year because we only got like twelve or thirteen done. We want to get back to having at least two episodes a month, having twenty four episodes at least in a year. Um, mm-hmm. That's the plan. We talked about how like um, we committed to this long project that's going to take us a while, and we just needed to take a break from it and to like venture out and do some more things, other things. And kind of re-energize ourselves. Because, I mean, like, it. while we like doing the project, it's still taxing because you're just set on this one course that you can't deviate from. So take a break, do some other movies, and then come back into it, you know, re-energized and come into the back half of that uh, project. Yeah, I might have to take another break. Really, and even in that second leg of the project, I wish, I wish, I wish we'd have at least got to the 90s. Daniel, do you remember what's after Dream Warriors? Um, uh, New Blood. Which was 88. We were close. Yeah, we were. We were about six movies away from being out of the into the 90s. Jesus, never mind. Fuck. Because it's fuck. Never mind. New Blood, Dream Master, Return of Michael Myers, Jason Takes Manhattan, The Dream Child, Revenge of Michael Myers, and then Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 is in 1990. Uh, never mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We couldn't have made it we tonight. Have <laughs> but yeah. So, and it is funny because where I agree with the break from that for just a little bit or whatever is because like my excitement level for fucking Lost Boys was through the roof. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. because it is nice to kind of. I mean, I'm excited to keep doing the project. I don't really, it doesn't really matter what we're doing, but I'm excited to step away from that for a minute. Well, it's yeah. nice for all and, three of us to be able to do something different together. Yeah, because we've been doing like two man projects to to kind of give us something to do besides the uh, the big project that we're doing. Yeah, but that's not all three of us, and all three of us being able to do something different together is it's just a. It's like fresh air, right? Yeah. It's nice to yeah. not be tied up. Yeah. Such a long project. But, uh, but yeah, to answer the uh, question and get back on track, well, um, yeah, I think the Dust of Dawn should be the third vampire movie. Should it or should it be another 80s vampire movie? I think, I think we had talked about Near Dark. No, we covered Near Dark. Who? You and Daniel and Hayden. This is long. remember because you we talked about because you were like, oh, I love Near Dark. Now I've got one. If y'all are up well, for maybe it, maybe Josh wasn't able to do Near Dark and was like, I can't do it, but y'all go ahead and do it. No, it's all good. I I mean I I I forgot y'all did that. You're you're about to bring up Lair of the White Worm. No, I was about to bring up Life Force. Yeah, let's do it. It's got space vampires. Yep. You ever seen it, Daniel? I mean, you got the look on your face like you've never heard of it. 
No, I have heard of Life Force, but uh, but no, I haven't. Uh, it's space vampires. Seen that one? Yeah. And that would keep us in the decade. Yeah, I don't really. Whatever y'all want to do. Unless there's another like '80s vampire movie that I'm just not thinking of. I mean, I didn't know that we have we would have to keep it to the '80s, like. Um, but I can't think of it. Well, we can do from Dust Till Dawn. It's fine. Um, I really don't give a shit. But this is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably better for the fucking chat no no we'll conduct business on air i mean yeah while we figure shit out yeah it's riveting but yeah okay so we'll get we'll get back to the movie then um now we got the frog brothers they killed their vampire now we get um sam with his vampire to kill and he shoots a bow at him and he misses and he's like, you missed. And he's like, only once or something like that. And he shoots him. The arrow punctures through him and it goes into the stereo. And then we get little, you know, Corey Haim going, death by stereo. And I had to look it up. Of course, there is a metal band called yeah. Death by Stereo. I thought you knew Obviously. that. Obviously. I didn't. And I, and I, and I uh, sampled some of their songs. Had to have. Had to have, because that's pretty famous. Death by stereo. Uh, they fucking suck. <laughs> Sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking is not good. <laughs> Josh is like they fucking sucked. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sorry if they're listeners to this podcast. <laughs> they like death by stereo. Yeah, I, and it's a shame because I really wanted to based on that title. Well, so everybody gets to kill a vampire, though, right? So uh, Sam kills his vampire, you know, death by stereo, hooray. And then we get the fight between... Kills the vampire. Yeah, Nanook and the Frog Brothers. And then uh, we get... While D Michael and David are getting ready to fight, Laddie changes into a vampire. Oh, yeah, starts causing havoc. Yeah, and they, they get ready to kill Laddie. They're about to take him out, and then Star runs out. It's like, no, don't you touch him. He's just a kid. These Frog Brothers ain't fucking around, man. No, the Frog Brothers nope. are stone-cold murderers. Killers. Like, you don't fuck with the Frog Brothers. That's because they read the third comic book, Death to All Vampires, even Havsies. <laughs> even Havsies. They never got that. They, they never gave that one to Sam, so. <laughs> no, because it was like, they only had three copies. They knew that motherfucker was going to bend it at the middle and put it in his back pocket. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ride on his bicycle. <laughs> Dude, no shit. I, the fight between David and um, Michael is kind of anticlimactic, though. I always thought, I always think it lasts longer than it does. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it lasts longer. Yeah. David uh, or Michael pushes David back. And then David says, my turn, and pushes Michael back. And then Michael just rotates and fucking... He catches himself on the beam. Oh, and then yeah. Yeah, he catches himself on the beam and then rotates himself and throws uh, David into the antlers. Yeah. It is Thank God yeah. Grandpa. And it's Grandpa. So you know, Michael just seems like he just hangs out for the longest time before he's finally like, I fucking, I'm going to embrace this shit and use some of this strength to try to save us. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... The fight reminds me of the fight from Big Trouble. 
where they're flying through the air at the very end. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of that. And at the same time, it's like, like I said, like it does not last as long. And it's like Bone said, it's anticlimactic. But there is the scene. I don't even think he's looking for David where Sam has the the lamp and he's using it as light. Yeah. That is, uh, it's so good to where he's looking in the corners and then he finally sees him. I, I think that's Sam or is it? Yeah. Cause Dave, cause Michael's knocked out, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's and so he's good. Kind of freaking out and he's scared shitless. And yeah. Another thing, like you said, that's so good about that scene is cause he's like, you can hear him shaking, like all the shit, mm-hmm. the thing. You know, it's just making this noise, and he's, like, looking around. It's fucking... It really is it's so good. And then uh, Michael does the classic... Uh, what is that the classic of? Uh, you got to give us more information than that. The, uh, well, you know, he's like, I'm going to let go of this beam and then adjust my weight and throw you into antlers to where they go in your chest. Classic move that everybody does, you know? And then like David looks like a, like they really made him look 18. Oh yeah. They made him look innocent. Like he doesn't have uh, circles under his eyes anymore. Like his face is cleared up. Like he looks like an innocent child, even though he wasn't. Yeah. But at one point they were. <laughs> Look at it. I love it. I love this shirt. Did y'all make that? Yeah, I had Courtney make it, man. I had Courtney make it. And and that's, I ha- I saw it somewhere and I was like, hey, I, I know that uh, next shirt I want you to make. It's this because it is the shit because I know that I only stood there for a second, but you know, whatever. But it's the missing poster with all of them is like young and not. I love it. Fire. It's such a good I love it. That's so good. Does she still have all the shit to do that? Kudos. Make sure. So, yeah, she's up her game since. Like, yeah. Like, I've been begging and begging and begging her to make a podcast shirt for Bone, but she's just like, fuck that, dude. I won't do it. I ain't going to do it. I won't do it. I ain't going to do it. But uh, if she could make one of those, another one of those, that'd be cool. You know what I'm saying? You already got in the shirt. I'm still waiting on my first one of anything. I want the Lost Boys shirt. I'm not talking about. I mean, you're not going to get a very unreasonable thing shirt, Bone. I'm Just not getting anything. When he comes by, when he comes by and says, hey, we'll have it for him. But here's the other question, though, right? Yeah. Um, Since when does antlers kill vampires? You know, because. Well, it, I think it, it's it just. Is uh, up bone. I'm assuming they just it, like the stake through the heart thing is just more of a sharp object through the heart. Cause why is it going to be wood? I don't know, but it, cause if it had to be wood, then wouldn't it be like a, then there, what's to say like, Oh, it's going to be Oak or birch or cedar. I don't know, but it has always specifically been said wooden stake. Well, you know how Dracula died in, uh, the original Bram Stoker's novel. How he has like his, I think it's his throat's cut. Oh yeah. You've told me that we talked about that on our Dracula episode, but anyway, 
but I was just making the comment, you know, because that is one of the things it's like, ah, but I don't know. Maybe it's the natural aspect of it that, uh, you know, antlers are a natural thing. Like wood is a natural thing. Yeah. Like I said, I just assumed it. you had to pierce the heart. That was, no. that's the way I took it. But like we also said earlier in this movie, it is nice whenever vampire movies kind of do their own thing. And maybe with them, it isn't steak, you know, or wooden. It just needs to be, you know, whatever. But well, I know one thing. Da- uh, David's not the head vampire. Definitely not. Because after, uh, after he gets killed, Michael's sitting there and he's like, don't let him see me. Nothing's changed. And then, and then uh, really hungry. Lucy and uh, Lucy and Max come home. Yeah. Or Lucy comes home and brings Max with him. And uh, he's just like, I'm so sorry. You know, David and my boys, they can be quite a handful. And, and then he just kind of lays out, like, he does his uh, supervillain monologue and he tells the plan. Like, I wanted to, the boys needed a mother. I wanted to bring you in. And I knew I could get you in if I could get michael and sam as part of the family yeah and then uh and then michael tells uh david not david shit michael tells max he's like i didn't invite you in this time yeah and see now he's all badass yeah and he's like well the jumping thing worked last time let me jump at this motherfucker see how it goes (laughs) and it does not go as well he gets knocked out pretty easy by getting thrown away yeah because this is, is he, how many times does he get like incapacitated in this movie? A lot. A lot of times he is like crouched down in a fucking <laughs> corner. But it is funny. Yeah, but fucking the, the, the uh, head vampire, Max, was about to fuck everybody. He was. Everybody. Yeah. He was. He was. He he had kicked all their asses just as like an appetizer. Oh yeah, and then he did a yeah. little, little tongue flick <laughs> at Lucy. Yeah, it, that's so weird when people do that. I've always been oh when he went out by the tongue flick. Yeah, where he's like just to show his fangs. Yeah, and then she, Max gets a hold of a uh, Sam, and then you hear the uh, familiar sounds of Grandpa's truck. Oh, what? Yeah. El Cachara or whatever. But yeah, his horn that he plays yeah. throughout the movie. And he apparently he knew something was going down because he just drives through the front of his fucking house. Yep. Uh, smashes through it. And then Michael. Like, I, take, I got my aiming right. Right. Well, Michael takes and throws um, Max towards the truck. Yeah, he does do that. Yeah. And the uh, state goes through him again so grandpa got to kill a vampire too grandpa was preparing and prepared for this i mean it is what it is grandpa was on the up and up when it comes to vampire hunting and knowing vampires but not on the up and up when it comes to being a father uh well well i mean his daughter's 37 years old i mean but, you know. Hey, look, he's he, he's laying pipe like Super Mario, and he's fucking killing vampires, you know. 
<laughs> two out of three ain't bad. I will say this. You, you actually, you might have changed my mind because, you know, thinking back on True Blood, you know, you know, banging a vampire might be an exciting thing that some women like, you know? And he's like, ah, I was hoping she wouldn't be a fang banger. But, you know, I'll just go in here. <laughs> no, he was plotting, man. He was plotting the entire time. That's the reason why the next time you see him, he is building the fence with the yeah. th- those are obviously stakes yeah i mean they're cut to very sharp points yeah you know, like what do you need stakes on your fence for i mean why do you why does your fence need to be pointed yeah you can just fucking put posts in the ground and make a fence you're making these razor well, not razor sharp but super pointy wooden logs and then josh what does grandpa say i know you've been well waiting. look i i I've got it written down in my notes because like, I didn't realize how, how much I loved how this movie ended until like I watched it yesterday. Cause he comes in and he opens the fridge and he was like, the one thing I can't stand about this city. And then you cut to Sam Lucy and Max and it's and it's shot in this way to where like they've got soot all over them mm-hmm. from the chimney so grandpa opens the fridge you see the fridge light on them and then he pulls out a root beer and he's like the one thing I can't stand about the city is all the damn vampires he closes the fridge it cuts back to them to where the light from the fridge goes out and you see their silhouettes and you see their expression a second before he says that. And then you just see their silhouettes cuts to black. Fucking. It's so goddamn good. It, People are strange. It is. It is so goddamn good. It is. Uh, oh, good it is good. Two stars. Two stars. That, that's a Daniel rating. <laughs> you know, like I like this movie. Two and a half stars. Well, I really loved it. Yeah, this is yeah, this is going to be a high one. I'm, it's going to be the threes. And then after people is strange, people are strange. Uh, you get Roger Daltrey from the Who doing "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Roger Daltrey. I mean, and it's not even that good of a cover, if I'm being honest. I love The Who, and I love Elton John. This really doesn't... But just the fact that they have like a a 70s rock god cover another 70s rock god, and the name of the song is Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Fucking... All day, every day, I'm here for it. I'm a. I'm gonna go first on this one. Stuck around that. Me neither. Yep. Check out the soundtrack. Apparently, it's it's a banger of a soundtrack. Will do. So, we just finished talking about the Lost Boys. Now we're gonna give our ratings, and I just, I'm gonna go this time up. It's a sexy vampire movie. Josh talked about it earlier. You know. Um, you know. Everybody's good looking in the movie, you know, blah, blah. But one thing, and the reason I bring it up is because we've seen other movies where, you know, they try to make vampires sexy. And we talked about it briefly when we made fun of it. Twilight. Twilight's one of those movies that tries to be 
like a sexy vampire movie, but it takes itself too seriously. It's so pretentious. Um, and aside from the fact that it's fucking Twilight. And one thing I like, one of the things I like about the Lost Boys so much is that it never takes itself seriously, even though it's a sexy, hip movie, it doesn't take itself seriously. And I think in a lot of movies that try to be hip and sexy can't, they, they don't never just like poke fun at themselves or, or have fun in the movie that they're, they're just too committed to trying to be cool. And the Lost Boys is cool, but it's not because it's trying to actively be cool. You know, it's, you've got your good looking vampires, but then you got the frog brothers and, uh, Sam who, have that counterbalance of humor and it kind of, uh, I was watching in search of darkness and they were talking about the documentary about horror movies. I can't remember which one, if it was one, two or three, but they were talking about horror comedies and lost boys is a horror comedy. It's not a straight horror movie, but Joe Bob Briggs had said like, when you do horror comedy, if you want to do it right, you have to do it 80% horror, 20% comedy. And then it'll, it'll work, but you can't never go into it thinking that you're going to you know make like a a cult film or whatever cuz then you just end up making a bad film. Yeah. And I just like the way that the Lost Boys is made. I think it like I said it's cool, it's hip, it's very 80s. But it also has a fun side to it. Um love the performances in the movie, like the music in the movie. Um you know my dream was to be an oily sax player, but it never happened. I just could never get the body for it. Uh, four and a half stars. Yeah, it's funny because uh, when it comes to Lost Boys, like this is the pinnacle of like if if you say vampire movie, Lost Boys is the first fucking movie I think of every time. Now, obviously, there's a couple of other good ones that pop in as well, but Lost Boys is because, like I said before, whenever I was introduced, you know, I went from uh interview with the vampire you know and then lost boys and i was also a young person so lost boys with teenagers and everybody having fun and doing shit they wasn't supposed to and all these things related to me more than thousand year old vampires you know yeah that type of story and lore uh so lost boys has just always been so i fucking have loved this movie so much and i know that you had said something about twilight like i don't blame um twilight people you know because it's not for me at all the sparkling as soon as i heard that and it was like hold on the sun don't kill him i was out and that was the first thing i heard about it so i never gave it any type of chance but i don't blame a person for trying to take a different uh direction trying to reimagine vampires and doing this different thing and it was like a romance novel type writer so i don't blame her for the things that she's done and all that but yeah, when I think of vampires, I think of the sun's fucking melting them. I'm thinking, you know, wooden stakes. I'm thinking holy water, all of these things. And these all, for me, you know, originate from Lost Boys. And even watching it again, like whenever I told Courtney we were doing uh, Lost Boys, you know, she was like, oh, that's, you know, I know you know that one back to front. And I'm like, yeah, but still I watch it for the pod reason for the podcast and, you know, like to, for a reason being the podcast and take notes and even then like every scene is just so fucking 
it's just there's a couple of holes we talked about and a couple of things here and there but for the most part it ain't got a lot of that shit there's a we can come up as fans with an explanation for some of these holes and when you love a movie like that you will think of anything to make it work to where it's like fuck yes there is no holes you want to try to fill anything in you can and a lot of movies they're not like that you're just like yeah it's got its problems but it is what it is but my god man it's such a good movie I fucking love this movie so, so much. And for me, I'm going to give it a two and a half. (laughs) But it really, this is a four and a half movie for me. Four and a half stars for this movie for me. Because I could turn around and watch it right now. Like if Courtney was like, hey, I missed the last half of it. I want to watch it. I can watch it again. And enjoy it, you know? But yeah, four and a half for me. All right, Josh. Yeah, it's so crazy. Because... Like I said previously, like when, when I went into watching this, I, I hadn't fully like sat down and absorbed it in, in a long time. And I sat down and Jesus Christ, like what I got out of this movie was so much more than I had previously gotten. And I think you could compare this movie to uh, Miami Vice, and 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 in a certain way, Miami Vice when it came out in like eighty four, eighty three, it sort of captured this wave of MTV and this zeitgeist of the decade, um, this music video entertainment quality that just sort of defines this decade of the 80s. And if that's the TV version of it, this is the movie version of it. It This movie looks like a music video. And it has all the trappings of the 80s in all its glory. This is... I, I, I'd seen recently, like, there a question posed online, like what's the most definitive eighties movies. And, you know, when you're getting compared to like back to the future and shit and lost boys was up there, you're doing something. Yeah. You're doing something right with, uh, it's not necessarily that you're trying to make a movie that captures the eighties. You just capture it fucking magically with Joel Schumacher, with fucking your cast, with the music that you put. And the music isn't even, like, in your face, uh, like, music of the time. It just is. Yeah. And, you know, this music, this, this movie mailed so many of these elements, whether it's horror, comedy. It's sleek and sexy. It's got a cast that's unknown that will become fucking known. Um, Not to mention that Diane Weist was coming off of, I think, an Oscar win from a Woody Allen movie, and she agreed to be in this movie. We just add, it adds to this movie's gravitas. Um, And it's... You know, it's like Bone said, it's not pretentious. And now, like, if you tried to make this movie now, 
you can't do it. It would be in goddamn sufferable. You are right. I mean, it would be the worst. It would be Twilight. No offense, Daniel. I know you're really <laughs> kind of being a Twilight fan there, but it would be Twilight. You would just miss all the wrong things. I love you, Daniel. I was just saying, like, it would be like that. Like, you would take all the wrong things. Yeah. And, and you and you would do it. Uh, this movie defines this decade. And it's it's four and a half stars. And and look, I was thinking about this. Like, you know, I like to judge a movie. Like, me personally, like, being, like, the insufferable prick I am. Is what's a movie trying to accomplish? Does it accomplish it? Uh, I get why they didn't do it. But I think this would be a five-star movie if you would have just killed a frog brother. I really do. Like, all the good guys win. And I think we needed one death. Yeah, you're you're onto something there because I think every person that died, well, not think, because we know for a fact that every person that died that was killed by a vampire was not a main character. They were all characters that were just the party. Hmm? Not the little bonfire party. What was it, like four people? Yeah, but none of those were like main characters. Those were just one hundred percent. I was people that were introduced to die essentially. Yeah, I was just curious because it's like seven deaths of people, you know. And it's, yeah, it's not even like a super high body count. No, and 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 that's the beauty of it as well. Like, but one of the frog, like I don't want any of the family members to die. I, th- I think you could have done without one of the Frog Brothers living and made the vampires look a little bit stronger. Yeah, you could have killed a non-Corey Feldman Frog Brother. Or Corey Feldman. Jesus Christ. Please, Corey Feldman. You can't kill the <laughs> <laughs> You can't flim-flam the zim-zam. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's... It's damn near perfect, even with that, you know. All right. Yep. So that was The Lost Boys. We uh we talked about The Lost Boys for a while. I knew this would be a long one because we all love this movie. I mean, and we, anything left hey, hey so I, I'll point this out, Josh. Um, it's a movie that Daniel gave four and a half stars. So when we got past hour two, he wasn't like, we got to wrap this up. No, well, last time he had shit going on. I, don't just I mean, I'm just... Yeah, Family of Christmas, like, who he doesn't half, get to see. This is a two-and-a-half-star movie. I got to get out of here, guys. No, but hell, even <sighs> with this four-and-a-half-star gym, I'm still looking at the clock like, my God. John, what you got to do, Daniel? Looking into a pumpkin. Me? I'm worried about you, Josh. No. Babe, I, look, I don't think we're going to be able to record tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm throwing this out there to you right now. Like well, this on. isn't fair. Well, before we talk business, let's finish up the podcast, and then we'll talk business. Okay. Okay. All right. So, hey, that was the Lost Boys. Everybody, we appreciate you uh, listening. Um, we'll catch you next time. You yeah. Know uh, no, uh, Daniel, tell them what they need to do, babe. Oh yeah. Because I I I I I get clammy. I get clammy. And you're natural. I forget half of the fucking things that people are supposed to do. I don't know. I think Twitter. there's a TikTok involved. Uh, no, we don't. Do we have a TikTok? 
No, we don't. We we barely have any of these things. Yeah, so we yeah we, so we feel like we need to say it. <laughs> we do. We yeah. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. Uh, we don't. We're not active on any of these. Vut podcast at Vut podcast. Um, Nobody does that. We have a Facebook page. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody's checking that. Yeah, you know, like, it's quite <laughs> literally without you guys, we're nothing for this podcast. <laughs> No, I mean, we're just paying for servers at this point just to, to talk to our friends across hey. state lines and country lines. Well, I, uh, I have a lot of fun doing the podcast. So. No, I love it. I love it. All right. So once again, everybody, thank you for listening.